Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new podcast. If anyone is actually listening to this, I hope you enjoy. And I hope you're doing well wherever you are in the world at the moment. I want to talk for a second about the concept for this podcast. And so it's going to be me catching up with friends and family and other cool-ass people I've met over the last few years. I think our conversations are positive and constructive, and I think they could be beneficial for other people to hear. And at the very least, it could just be nice to hear about what what we're up to in our lives. And so each episode, I'm going to bring a different guest on to the podcast, and we're going to be talking about many different things. So the podcast doesn't fall into one category or another. And I'm going to do my best to break it down by topic and timetable and leave that information in the description. So if you want to skip ahead, you can feel free to do that. And so for the first episode, I brought on a great friend of mine, Thomas Samuelson. We actually grew up on the same street back in New York and have been friends ever since. And a few of the things we talk about include Thomas working for the Peace Corps down in Paraguay, actually when Corona initially hit. And then we get into talking about international travel and my experiences living in China and now currently living in Vietnam. And then also Thomas and his new job for the Forest Service up in up in Oregon. So yeah, I, I hope you enjoy and, and have a listen. And any man who knows a thing knows he knows not a damn damn thing at all. And every time I felt the hurt and I felt the giving getting me up off the wall. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it ride. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it breeze. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it ride. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it breeze. All right, my man. So how have you been? It's been it's been a while. I think the last time we spoke, actually, I can't even remember. I mean, we've texted a on little the phone. Bit. Yeah, we texted a little bit, but in terms of like actually spoke, I don't think it's been since I last saw you. So like last June. Damn. Wow. Yeah. You so that's I mean? yeah. Year ago. Yeah, man. A lot has happened, dude. A lot has happened. A I, lot uh, has happened. I got Crazy. a lot. Of, got a lot of questions for you. Got a lot of questions for you too. <laughs> for sure. First thing I wanted to, <laughs> to talk about, man, was just like the Peace Corps and and your experiences Ooh. there, dude. Like, yeah, I'm super oh, curious how. Yeah. Just how it all went, like from the start. Yeah. It was. It was. Definitely, in terms of like um, a period of my life, definitely was the most in, like profound and influential period of my life. I, I've never grown as much as a person that I did in the seven months. The, the, unfortunately, the seven months that that I, I I served with the Peace Corps in Paraguay. Um, I don't know if I, I was so I was supposed to be there till December 2021. Mm. The 27 month commitment only got through seven months. Um, yeah, I got down there. I was all right. So I'll give you a little background information just just in case anybody decides to listen to this. <laughs> um, so I'll understand this fully. I um, served with the Peace Corps in Paraguay as an environmental conservation volunteer. Um, the Peace Corps is in international governmental agency of the United States of the State Department that was created by John F. Kennedy in 1961. Um, 
I think around a quarter million American citizens have done the Peace Corps since 1961, and, and Peace Corps served in, I think, a little over like 140 countries in total. Um, right now, I mean, right now there are none because it's shut down, but before COVID, we were in like 60 or 61 around the world. Um, and when I submitted my application, I just did like a general application and I got placed in Paraguay in the country of Paraguay, I think because of my Spanish speaking background, um, which didn't mean much because when I got down to my community, everybody was speaking the indigenous language and I was just like looking around like what the hell's going on. But um, yeah, dude, got down there in September. I was for two and a half months, I trained with a, a, like 50 other volunteers. All Peace Corps training is in country. So I lived with the host family and kind of just went to school. Like five days a week, we had to go to the training center, like eight to five. Got like lessons on language, culture, like technical information in relation to like our sector. So for the environmental conservation sector, we did a lot of work with like teaching environmental education in school, like tree planting um tree planting operations trash management um eco clubs like t uh um and you um using environmental stewardship to like increase environmental awareness in like the younger generation um also did we did like training in like diversity in the workplace like gender gender stereotypes gender differences um, because that's really important because ge like gender, gender, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what, what's the, yeah, like, like gender norm in every country, there's like different gender norms, especially in countries outside the United States where cultures are a lot more like conserved and, and they have, they're not very progressive. The gender, like the gender differences are very different. So you mm -hmm. have to kind of be cognizant of those. Totally. Um, if you're going to go somewhere and work so that you don't do anything like ignorant or like irrational. Um, but yeah, the training, train for two and a half months. That was awesome. I got to know like all of my co like 50 other really special and intelligent American citizens, mostly around like my age. Um, in addition to having like a couple three couples one of them was were in like their upper 60s like they did peace corps before when they were younger in their 20s actually in the philippines and right before they they came to paraguay they like left their jobs like sold their house car everything really awesome couple one of them had like a phd the other one had a master's like in terms of like qualifications they were the most qualified than any of us like little naive were were they the uh, ones like running it or were you were you no. also just working alongside them? No, they were in my cohort. Like they were just my fellow Peace Corps trainees and then volunteers. They weren't oh, like trainers or anything. Yeah. Um so like yeah, Peace Corps doesn't have an age limit, so you can literally do it. Right. Whenever. Um you can serve with your spouse as well, which is really cool. Um so yeah, man, trained for two months, swore in. With the U.S. ambassador in Paraguay, he came to the ceremony. I sang the fucking national anthem no in a way. duet with this other lady. Yeah, it was hysterical. I don't have a video, <laughs> but I, I put some photos up. 
<laughs> on my Instagram and like on Facebook. No, I'm sure dude. there's a video out there. I just need to fish for it. Dude, if you find it, um, send it over to me, please. Oh my God, it's mad funny. <laughs> I got approached to do it. Remember that, dude? Do you remember that video I posted on Facebook? I think you commented on it, and I was like doing that like skit. I remember, remember I was doing a skit with like a bunch of other people. I was kind of like singing opera. Do you remember that? You commented on it. Yes, I yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. So after doing that skit, this um, one of the ladies from Peace Corps Paraguay, Paraguayan National, came up to me and was like, I want you to sing the national anthem with the lady that I did um, at the swearing in ceremony. And I was like, what? Really? She's like, yeah, I think you have an incredible voice. I was like, oh, OK. Um, which I don't. I don't think I have a good voice, but apparently somewhere around that skit I, I maybe hit like a note that she like heard from down the hall <laughs> you got you got the charisma sparked... man you got that, that that's it's all confidence dude confidence it's is confidence. everything Con exactly comp confidence i've learned that confidence can overcompensate for like other um i don't know just like yeah 100 percent. yeah other voids in in your in your in your repertoire like if you have a lot of confidence you, you might make a mistake, but sometimes that confidence can, like, make up for it. Mm -hmm. The lack of ability in, like, in, like whatever that is. Um, yeah, dude, I sang the national anthem. It was crazy. We swore in. Next day, like, took a bus. Like, everybody got on a public bus and just went to their respective communities. So with Peace Corps, like, you train and then you go to your, like, we all got placed in a community around the country. I got placed in a very, very small rural farming community in Southern Paraguay, mm. roughly like 11 hours away from the capital, Asuncion, um, four hours away from the nearest city, which was Encarnacion, which is kind of like the Miami of Paraguay. It's like this small city on the border, on the Southern border with Argentina. And there's like a river that um, divides the two countries. And yeah, it was a four hour bus ride. The bus only came to my site twice a day, one at three in the morning. And then the other time was like between one and three in the afternoon. You kind of just had to like sit out by the dirt road and just wait for the bus. I was about to ask, like, are there, are there like dirt roads? Because I feel like that says a lot oh, about yeah. like the type of place that you're in, like just in terms of, you know, yeah. Just how, how I, was, up I was, yeah. In terms of like rural, I probably was in like the top 10 percentile of all Peace Corps volunteers in Paraguay mm. in terms of like the most rural, like remote community. My yeah. two site mates, my two mm -hmm. site mates. So, so we, Peace Corps requires you to have like site mates. So a volunteer that's like in a certain range to your community. I think the maximum distance that someone can be away from you is like 50 kilometers, which is pretty far. That is. But because I was so isolated, I had a site mate, Kevin. Oh, yeah, this is not like personal information. Kevin <laughs> and Nicole. Kevin was literally in the town over from me, and he was even more rural than I was. Like his, my road was like shitty dirt and rock. His was like sand. You, I couldn't even ride my bike over there. I had to get off my bike and just walk it because it's just it was just straight sand. Damn. Yeah. And then Nicole. Was he, was probably the probably the most rural site in like all of Peace Corps Paraguay. Her community was predominantly like my community was predominantly Guarani, but hers was almost like a hundred percent. Where like some people in her community didn't know how to speak Spanish nor like understand it. 
so her, her like uh what's it called her level her her level of guarani was incredible and like mm. she was already a year into her service when i got there and she she already spoke like amazing guarani now is it similar uh, to spanish like were you able to pick it up a little no. bit no so so it is it's similar to spanish in that they kind of use like a hybrid language where it's like guarani and then like mixed in spanish words so if i was like mm. i'm going to school i would say she ahata escuela pe so okay. like using escuela like the word for in, in spanish for school um and 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 they call that jopara so a majority of paraguayans speak jopara which is like a mix of guarani and spanish but in terms of like the language of guarani it's like 100% different from spanish like it's a completely different like lineage of languages which is which, which was really I, I really enjoy learning it. I wish I could have extended my my learning of it. Um, I guess I could if I really wanted to, but it was kind of like a puzzle. It was cool. Like you add different like suffixes to the end of a word. So like I just said like aha is the verb to go. If I want to say <laughs> I'm going to go, I, I'll, I'll just add a ta to the end. So like, aha ta. And then if you want to say like, in the school, and in Spanish, you say like, en la escuela. In Guarani, you say escuela pe. You add like a pe to the end of the word. And if you, you can like keep on end, like adding suffixes to the end of the word to like change the meaning. It's really cool. It's kind of like a puzzle. Because all the all words like in Guarani are kind of connected. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I could go on. I could explain it for a while, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah, man. So where like, was I? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go go on. No, it was. I was in a. I was in a very, very rural community. I got dropped there. I lived with a host family again for three months. I had an incredible host family. My host family was. There's like a farming family. They had like 10 acres of farm. Uh, we had a horse. We had like 12 cows. We had chicken, pigs. Wow. Every day, my host dad and my host brother would wake up. I, some days I'd go out there to the farm with them. Wake up early because it's so got. I got dropped there in the summer in December in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's just so hot. You have to wake up early, get your work done by like 10 or 11 because then it's like unbearable to work. Get the work done in the farm. That's funny. That's exactly Take what care. we do here in Vietnam. It gets too hot. Yeah, So bro. you, so you got to be inside by like 12. Yeah, you got to wake up. They, my host family wake up like 5, 5.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, Just work and then... The rest of the day, like drink tea today, which is like the national. It's kind of like a, like a tea, like a cold tea, cold tea drink. That cold tea drink, which is like a staple of the country, and like everybody drinks it there. And you, you like pass it around, you share it. It's kind of like a cultural thing. Um, like, and yeah, the, like my first herba thing, mate, kind of. Or? Exactly, that's exactly what it is. Okay, I, I love that stuff. Exact, it's incredible. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it grows naturally down there. It's like the, it's like one of the main like uh, crops like uh, that they that they cultivate and then like sell to make money. Oh, that's like, awesome. It's one of the bigger cash crops. Yeah, doing it uh, doing it the right way is such an awesome experience because you all kind of sit around and share it with yep. like the the gourd and everything. It's great. Yep, exactly with the guampa and the bomb. Actually, ha I have a personalized one. Dude, so do I. <laughs> Peace score gave me one with like the logo and then like Tomas on it. It's really cool. I love it. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, man, my first three months in site, I really just spent integrating in my community. My community was probably about like a thousand people. Um, stretched along this like one huge dirt road and with like other like dirt, like barrios, like communities off it. Um, I made an effort every day to like wake up, literally leave my house just like walk up to homes like around my community like the thing to do in Paraguay when you're when you when you're trying to like go visit somebody you go outside their home and clap like really loud and then yell like permiso which means like excuse me and then they'll say like adelante like like come in like forward and i literally did wow, that i love that for, i just that's that's what they taught us in in training you got to wow. got to get out there and Granted, there, so there was a volunteer in my community before me for two years. There have been volunteers in that specific community before me. So everybody, so the, the what's it called? The, the, the community members know about Peace Corps. They know, like, kind, they kind of know, like, um, what we do. And they know, they, I was, it was obvious that I was the new Peace Corps volunteer. Because I was, apparently... Apparently the uh, the the rumor about me or like what people would say about me, my community is like, oh, there goes like the tall American whose pants don't fit him, like on the road. Um, <laughs> tall, dude, by the way. Every time I see you nowadays, I can't believe how tall you are. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, man. I I I was thinking about like the people who we who who we grew up with. Like, who was the tallest out of everybody who grew up with? Joey got pretty tall. Yeah, he did. I think you beat him though. Like, I think at really? this point, yeah. Because what are you like six four? I'm, I'm like I'm like six three and some change. Yeah, like if okay. if I put on some shoes, six four. Like, you can call it six four. I'll I'll, I'll round up to six four. <laughs> I'll round it. Humble brag. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, that was that was the that was the cheese man. Like, oh, there's the there's the tall gringo with, uh, the pants that don't fit him. Um, and I would just like, so, oh yeah, so there was a, there was a girl in my community before me named Sarah. She was there for two years. I was her, I was her direct follow-up. So she kind of introduced me to all the community members. So they kind of knew who I was before, like she left and I got dropped in there. So I kind of had a brief introduction, but I still had to go out of my way to like gain respect, like just talk with people, um, everything work. So yeah, man, it was, oof, I, I, I did some, I did some, I, unfortunately, I didn't do a lot of, like, substantive work. I kind of got, I, gained, I started gaining a lot of momentum right in March, right before I got evacuated, because that's when school started up. Um, I had a, I, I was working with this environmental NGO in Paraguay who worked with small farmers in my community to help them sell their yerba crops at, like, a higher rate if they maintained it, like, organically. And the incredible part about this was the NGO played the middleman in a fair trade agreement between the American Yerba Mate company, Guayaquil, which is like very popular here. Like you can get it in, in Whole Foods. Like they advertise on a lot of college campuses. And I knew about them before when I got down there and I find out that was going to be part of what I was going to be doing, working for the next two years. I was like, it's crazy how life comes full circle. Mm. Um, how like I was down there working with these people that are affected by us in America consuming a product that does that that does things the right way. Like 
gives back, like participates in like conservation efforts in the parts of the world that they buy those like commodities from. Right. Because you always think about how some of these large corporations, they just like exploit the developing countries and their resources. And then they sell those products in the United States. But then there's awesome corporations like Guayaquil that actually make con- like, make like con- conscious efforts to to like to 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 harvest resources sustainably and produce sustainably and be like grassroots like work with people like on the ground in the countries that they're partnering with. So that yeah. was like that was incredible. You're totally you're totally right. I think that the more you travel the more you realize how big of an impact the U.S. has on all these different countries, and oh, yeah. I, I think in a lot of in a lot of ways, it is like those big, bad corporations kind of um, j- just using their resources. But there there is a lot of great stuff too, as you said, that I think gets overlooked. Yeah, sometimes. man. So so soy is a huge. It's probably the biggest export in Paraguay, soy and beef, and. I found out that Amer- a lot of the special interests that America, like the U.S. has in Paraguay is to maintain a relationship because of the, uh, because of the exports of soy and beef because we like import a lot of that stuff to United States, especially soy because we use that for like cow feed and agricultural feed um, here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and soy, unfortunately... Soy production in Paraguay, Paraguay has contributed to like a majority of the deforestation in the country, which is really bad. Like that's the main um, environmental um, environmental destruction in Paraguay is I deforestation was, due to like soy production because you have to clear a shit ton of forest to plant your soy. Yeah, I was actually just having a conversation with uh, a girl from Colombia the other day, and she was saying yeah the same exact thing about the uh, the Amazon rainforest is like it's it's the reason it's being chopped down is for soy basically. Yeah, yeah, and, and Brazil too. Brazil, and yeah, and, right. And I think Brazil. I think the Amazon extends maybe into southern Colombia too. I got to take a look on the map, but yeah. Oh, I think she was talking about Brazil. She was just from Colombia for sure. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, because um, they produce a lot of. I mean, yeah, a lot of soy and, and and cattle, and there's a lot there's a lot of soy and cattle ranching in Brazil as well. So I'm I'm curious, like, how this was all set up in terms of like when you're on the ground. Like, I don't know if you remember, but um, when I was thinking about joining the Peace Corps after graduating university. Like yeah. I, I mentioned that one of the things that turned me off was just that it seemed so bureaucratic and like, it kind of seemed For like sure. people were too, yeah, just, you know, too, like it was too monitored. Um, and, 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 Dude, and whatever. So I had that, yeah. And, so but I yeah, I remember that... mentioning it to you and you, you saying like, you had it like the opposite experience. Like it was actually kind Dude, of like, you were able to do whatever. hundred percent. During the application pro- uh, process and before I got to country, I was under the same assumption that you were like, I thought it was going to be a super strict, like political organization, right? very like structured and organized. But when I got to country, all of our, all of the, like all, a majority of all the staff and faculty in Peace Corps Paraguay were all Paraguayan nationals. And, hmm. and, and some of the Americans that worked there were Peace Corps volunteers in Paraguay that then stayed in the country and have been working there with Peace Corps Paraguay um, for a long time. So like Peace Corps Washington, like the political side of Peace Corps really has no jurisdiction on, oh, 
also, by the way, before I keep going, like my opinions do not reflect the opinions of the United States government. Just a disclaimer um, or Peace Corps, just so I don't get in any trouble. Um, I think I have to put that out there. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot more strict than it was. But like, especially when you get when I got to site, it's just like super hands off. Like you, ha- I had like my program managers, one of them who was a Paraguayan national. The other one was a Peace Corps volunteer in Paraguay in like 2000, and he has like a Paraguayan wife and lives there. Super cool, like it was, it was a lot more hands off than I expected. Like, there's nobody checking in on you. Hmm. You literally just you can literally do whatever you want. So, so you kind of get to decide like your own projects and just like whatever you're interested in. Everything, everything. Like you have your you have your like primary sector goals, which I talked about like tree planting like trash Mm -hmm. management education in schools but off of that you can do whatever you want you can like find you basically have to find people to work with in your community like you get a counterpart off the start like i had one main counterpart which was the uh director of one of the elementary schools and then this other lady that had like a lot of clout in my community because she was like the former director of school so i had like their contacts off the bat and some other contacts that sarah gave me but I, I could, I just was able to go out and just find people to work with. It was awesome. Like mm-hmm. I, I eventually found this school through like, through a connection with some, some lady in my community, this school that was very, very, very off the beaten path of like the main road in, in, uh, in my community. Um, ended up going there, sitting down with, there was only two teachers there. It was a teacher and it was a very small school roads were even sandier than kevin's community it was trying to get to that community was such a pain in the ass i'm not gonna lie um i'm gonna send you a photo of what the roads looked like after this but just think about like jones beach Mm. that's what the road was just just complete sand anyway got to the school sat down with the teachers talked to them how i'd love to like help them start like a school garden or tree nursery they were all for it. We sat down, like talked about it, eventually kind of got like a blueprint of what we wanted to do, then presented it to like the teachers, I mean, to the parents committee in the community. Like I stood up in front of, in front of a bunch of like parents that I had never met before, speaking like broken Guarani. Yeah, talk about what, confidence, right? Yeah, right, crazy. And then yeah. some Spanish mixed in. By that point, my Spanish was like, proficient so I know I had no problem like communicating in Spanish but like I had to communicate in Guarani because that's like that's the predominant language people there prefer to speak it like it's uncomfortable sometimes if you speak to them in Spanish so I didn't want to make people uncomfortable so I had to push myself anyway presented it to the committee we got we signed we, we came up with like a grant with materials like objectives like goals we signed it. We were going to bring it to the like the municipal government in our district capital to get like funding to start. And I got evacuated, bro. It was crazy. So I never got to never got to finish that project. But I'm hopeful whenever Peace Corps starts up again, that the next volunteer in my community will be able to continue that because I thought it was a very, very awesome opportunity. Yeah. But yeah, man, you and then you can do like secondary projects like I taught English. I taught my host brother and some other kids how to play chess, like, <laughs> ec- I, I, like exercise, like I, I, uh, I, I, nature I heard... walks in the bosque behind our house. 
I've heard you've been schooling my brother in chess, by the way. No, actually the complete opposite. Your brother's kicking my ass. <laughs> Me and your brother were like the same level last summer. And then he just started grinding like, yeah. when I left for the Peace Corps and got really good. He's good. Yeah, he plays I well. haven't beaten him since I've been home. <laughs> no pause, way. pause, pause, pause. I beat him once. <laughs> I beat your brother once on like a buzzer, literally a buzzer beater checkmate on chess.com. But this was like back in like March, April. But That's I'm probably was. like one for like 30 right now. Record yeah. with your brother during quarantine. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably about the same when I was back home. He's, he's good. Your brother is incredible. We were also studying for the GRE for a hot second together. Yeah. Until I, I got this job with the USFS. Yeah. Yeah. We were yeah. doing some hardcore GRE studying. Yeah. Yeah. But, wait, but hold, hold on a second, though. Like, I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to say, like, well, the, the whole experience seems just like such a, like a lesson in confidence. You know what I mean? And, and like 100%. you said yourself, it, it takes a certain type of person to, to be able to do that stuff. Um, you know, and like, I definitely, I, I, I definitely think you're the, a great person to be doing it, man. I remember like seeing those photos and those videos on Facebook and how happy yeah. you, you were and like all those kids were. And I was just like, man, Thomas is definitely having the time of his life. And those kids definitely love Thomas. Um, yeah, so, man. yeah, I was happy to see that stuff on Facebook. I was, yeah, it was cool. It, and it wasn't all like rainbows and butterflies. Like I had some, I had some really low moments and I had some really high moments. For sure. And I think, I think one of the biggest things for me was just like taking the leap to get out of my comfort zone to push myself because I think there's no growth without like hardship and discomfort. And while I was in Paraguay, I was 24 seven in like some, some state of like discomfort. Cause it was completely, literally completely different, like reality for me, like com us coming from like Westchester, then to get dropped into like the developing world where like, it sounds corny and like, it wasn't, it wasn't very evident while I was there, but now that I'm removed and looking back on it from like a different perspective, like I was just in. I mean, you, you probably, you, I mean, I'm, I'm like, you realize, I mean, you, you, you're in Vietnam right now. You realize it too. Like when you're mm. surrounded by like blatant poverty and like, it doesn't feel like it because people are just so happy and grateful for everything that they like, what they have. hundred percent. It just, it just made me realize that like, I don't know, just, you don't need, you don't need a lot to like be happy. And especially if you're doing like what you love. And for me, that was like doing something with like environmental conservation after like studying that in college and then like learning a new language, especially Spanish, being able to travel in like a remote part of the world. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's not like I didn't have my lows. Like I had some very low moments physically, emotionally, mentally, but I overcame it. And because of that, I'm like, I almost feel like I'm a completely new person because I grew so much in those seven months. I pushed myself when I was down. I told myself, just keep going. Like it's, it's this, like part of being a Peace Corps volunteer is being incredibly like resilient, having a ton of mental fortitude, mm -hmm. because if you don't, you'll succumb, you'll succumb to so many different overwhelming emotion and scenarios that will, will, will drive you to like, yeah, to leave to like early terminate, which is uh, a reality for for a lot of volunteers. Actually, is to like, some people just don't finish because they can't take it. And that's fine, you know. But I, I'm I'm 
confident that I would have finished my two years. And if Peace Corps is still, if the world doesn't end, if the world doesn't end and Peace Corps is still <laughs> around in the next couple years or um, whatever in the near future, I definitely, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to complete the 27 months of service. Maybe in Paraguay, maybe in another country. I think going to another country would be badass. Actually, recently they signed an agreement with the Vietnam government, and I think they're going to be there in 2022 or 2021, barring if it reopens again. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, come join me, dude. I'll show I'd you love around. To. What's the, <laughs> what do they speak? What, what language do they speak in Vietnam? Vietnamese. I mean, I, Vietnamese. A, a few of the, like, there's some hill tribes up in the north. Um, yeah. And so they, they speak a few different languages and there's also like a lot of different dialects. So like North and South is going to be really different, but majority is just Vietnamese. Cool. Your brother was telling me it's, it's been, it's been a little difficult for you picking up some of the language. <laughs> Vietnamese. Yeah. It's, I haven't yeah. even, it, it's been really tough. For sure. Harder than Mandarin in my, in my experience. Um, so, so, so how do you, like, how do you, like when you, if you go out to get like food, or just like go out. How do you like get around or communicate? Non-ver- yeah. Non-verbally, because non-verbal communication is huge. Ba- basically non-verbally. I mean, I think that that's dope. there's that's always a, that's kind a huge of skill. It is. It is, and it's it, it. That's exactly what it is. It's a skill, and I think you get better at it over time. Um, and I mean, some people that you interact with do have uh, a, a certain level of English. Like definitely, the younger generation has good English. Um, and so you are able to communicate with some people. I would say like, obviously the majority you can't, but yeah, man, just nonverbal communications. And I mean, your interactions are not too complex if you really break it down. Like you're like just trying to buy a water or at a restaurant. Take take me through buying a water at like a street, uh, at like a, some sort of street vendor. Take me through what that, what that like sounds like and what it, what it's like. It's, 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 it's easy, man. I mean, well, you just you. go grab the water and, and you bring it to them. Uh, and yeah. then I think the, the part where you need communication is asking how much. Um, so it's always you know good to, to say how much to know numbers. No, no, I, I, I don't. I've, I've, I, I was taught. Oh, come on, bro. You got to learn that. That's like well, the basico. <laughs> like the basico. You do, but you don't because it's just kind of For like sure. obvious. Like you're, you're, you're in their store. You have a water in your hand. You're buying the water kind of thing. And it's like you need to know how much, right? Yeah. Um, and so in terms of like knowing, knowing how much, like it's good to know the numbers, which I'm also not great at. Um, but you know, <laughs> it, it could either be, sometimes they'll just like show, they'll show like the, yeah. like they'll take out their wallet and show how much it is. And gotcha. So, gotcha. so yeah, there's, there's certain ways That's around hysterical. it. Yeah, no, for sure. I learned how to non-verbally communicate. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm trying to think of like a funny, um yeah, I would do like <laughs> I would use like my hands a lot when I was trying to speak in Guarani and I couldn't like couldn't convey what I really wanted to say. I kind of like acted out like a charade and like sometimes it would work and sometimes I just looked like I was like crazy. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's, some it's, type of like Tai Chi. <laughs> all about it's all about the hand gestures, man. That's what I yeah, realized. Man. And and the thing is, I mean, I don't know how, how it was in Paraguay, but it's like even the people that don't like speak English, quote unquote. Like they yeah. have a few words of English and like those few words are enough. Not like, you say like, people really didn't know anything. They just have nothing. You say like <laughs> nothing, one or two bro. words and people kind of, they'll get it. I think for sure. Okay. Yeah. 
but cool. so b- before you were saying um like just quickly how you know you were only there for seven months and then you had to get evacuated yeah so like what was that like man like Dude, what, evacu- oh my god when you like what happened like walk me through like, I'll when take, you first I'll, heard yeah like the, that you had to be evacuated and then we were just like man what the hell is going on so it started it, it was about a it was a it was about a week build up um so I was just moving out of my host family's house. So after, after your six months with a host family during training and during your first three months of site, you have the option to find independent housing in your community to live alone. And I did that. I, rent, I was going to rent a house right near my host family's house. They, I was actually going to rent from them. It's like cute little house with like a water tank, which is huge because the water would cut out every day in my community. Like some days we go like, five straight days without running water. So with a water tank, I didn't really have to worry about losing running water, um, mm. which was, which is huge. That, huge. That's like bucket showers. Yeah. Bucket showers are the worst. Like no running water sucks. Like you, you, I mean, you, you it, can survive. Like people survive it, all over the world without running water, but like, it's incredible. It's really incredible. And like when thinking about what you were saying earlier, it's like when you see the contrast in the countries and how people are living, it's like yeah. one of the biggest things I think is like lack of running water. And you realize yeah. when you don't have it, how impactful it is. I mean, every single thing you do, right? Like from, from cooking to washing your washing hands, your brushing hands. your teeth, yeah. taking a shower. Like it's, it's yeah, crazy man. how important water is. Yep. I could, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but yeah, I moved into this house. It was nice. I painted it. I bought a fridge. I bought propane for like my gas stove, like, moved all of like my stuff into it moved a bit like basically just furnished the whole thing painted it bought shit and then cleaned it everything and so about i think we got the evacuation notice like maybe like the 16th or the 17th of march that's when it like the peace corps director jody olson like sent it out to all the countries sent out the evacuation which has never been done before like peace corps Mm -hmm. has never shut down fully ever in its history like globally but anyway before that so a week before we started getting emails from the peace corps doctors about covid um and also dengue so dengue is a mosquito-borne illness i don't know if they have it and they they must they must be in other parts of the world but there was a really bad outbreak of, of dengue in paraguay while i was there so a majority of the wow. newsletters you were getting from our doctors were about dengue, like the, the proper like measures to stay healthy, like avoid it, what to do if you get it. Um, were you vaccinated? And then we started, no, there's no vaccination for dengue, wow. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, anyway, we started getting like periodic newsletters of updates of COVID, like we're monitoring the situation. Right now there's no confirmed cases in Paraguay or in like surrounding countries. And then like, Cases started popping up in like Argentina, Brazil, two countries that border Paraguay, two countries that share a border with Paraguay. And then the first acts to come down was they canceled all non-essential travel. So all volunteers that had like planned vacations outside of the country were canceled. So a lot of people got fucked, like lost a lot of money from from trips they had planned that just got canceled. Um, so that happened first. Then they 
gave us the opportunity to in this is this is yeah so about a week before and then like maybe two days later another email was sent out saying that volunteers have the opportunity to interrupt their service which basically means to go back to your home erector so go back to the united states and then after 90 days come back if you want to without repercussion um and this is all because of the virus like they were they were shit in, in like early march like things were it, i forget the exact numbers but there were there were cases cases were starting to pop up now like around the country um i remember i saw the notification this was this was right around when the nba season was canceled um and when like they put down that fucking like quarantine zone in new rochelle i remember when i saw that i was like mm -hmm. whoa yeah, this is actually serious. And but then again, I was like, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Paraguay. Like, there's no way this is going to affect us. Like, nobody thought, nobody in country thought this was going to affect us. Hmm. Um, then they, yeah, so they gave us the opportunity to interrupt our service. And then they told all of us to stay in our sites. Don't travel on on public transportation. Of course, I did. Like, a couple of days later, I went to... Encarnacion on the on the 3 a.m. bus to go get supplies just in case like shit hit the fan in the country and we were like on site arrest because the supermarket literally forgot to say there was no supermarket in my community like I had to I had to take the bus like three and a half hours four hours to get to the nearest supermarket like there were only like small like dispensers in my community that's that had just like the basics so whenever I wanted to get like stuff I had to like take the bus a couple hours Damn. So that weekend I went to NCAR, got all the stuff, got like groceries and some other things. Um, and I remember when I went there, employees at the supermarket were wearing masks. I was like, whoa, things are starting to heat up here. Then the government put down a, they, they had their, Paraguay had their first confirmed case. The government put down a curfew and they closed the schools. They closed the schools. They put down a curfew. They shut the borders and then, then a couple days later, or this was a day later, I'm sorry. This is a day to two days later when after we had our first confirmed case there, the government put the curfew, they shut the schools, they banned public gatherings, took like very drastic measures after like one case, which in hindsight was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then two days later, it's... hey man, you there? Yeah, dude, you want to hear something funny? What's up? Guess who called me? <laughs> Your brother. No way. Was he asking to play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I called him last night. And he returned my call at the worst time. I turned on Do Not Disturb, so that doesn't happen again. But... <laughs> All right, my for sure. No That's worries. No fun. worries. Small world. Anyway, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So about a day and a half after the government put down all the crazy restrictions in Paraguay. We got the, it was like a Sunday. I remember I spent the whole day like organizing, like cleaning my house for like the last time. I remember I went to bed like super early. I was going to bed super early um, in Paraguay because at like night, like especially in the campo, like there's nothing to do. Like you have to, like yeah. there's literally nothing to do. I didn't have a TV, like. And you're waking up so early. I had too. like limited like cell service and like data. Yeah. Um, everybody wakes up early, so like you go to bed at like nine o'clock. So right. I went probably went to bed at like nine thirty, 
remember I listened to like part of a Joe Rogan podcast and then the the evacuation notice was sent out I think around like 11 30 11 o'clock at night so a lot of volunteers were up when the email was sent like we're being evacuated like stay like pack your bags like stay stay ready for like further updates um and I was like KO'd apparently people literally started panicking because like they were in the right. Like if you got a, if you got the evacuation notice, like, and you got an email saying like, we're getting evacuated, like pack your bags while like you're seeing in the news that a pandemic is going on. It probably started to freak out. Yeah. But people started like packing their bags. Some volunteers like had their bags ready, like in the morning. Crazy. I woke up, <laughs> my ass woke up at like seven 30 in the morning, like popped out of bed, like checked my phone, just blown up with notifications, <laughs> blown up. But like, I couldn't, I, on a lock screen, like I couldn't see what the notifications were. Open my phone, open my WhatsApp. My WhatsApp was just going off and all the, like my, like Peace Corps, like WhatsApp groups. And I was like, holy shit. Went to my email, saw the email. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like frozen in just like disbelief. I was like, holy shit, this is happening. Hmm. Like this is actually happening. And... Yeah, I, 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 I'm still like, I'm kind of like speechless now because I remember I was so shocked. Um, I remember I just like I started calling people like, wow, like this is real. Like any uh, like updates on when we're getting evacuated. Like started to pack my bags. Then I had to go confront my host family about it. They were like, they couldn't believe it. They they didn't really understand. They thought I was like coming back, but like it was it was that was tough because like I had like one i had like two days to say goodbye mm. to people that i spent like three months getting to know and three and people that i thought i was gonna spend like two years with yeah so that was really tough um it was a whirlwind man i just pack i packed my stuff i had to leave a bunch of shit in my house um left some stuff with my host family said the goodbyes i could um and then we all, all the volunteers, so each, each department, so like analogous to a state in the United States, in the United States, like departamentos, um, each all the volunteers in each department in Paraguay, like got together at like the consolidation point. Like we, we, we practiced this during training, but we kind of like glanced over it. It was funny. The security director was like, this guy named Gustavo, he was like, yeah, like evacuate. We've never come close to evacuation in Paraguay. Like you guys should <laughs> worry. Like, so we, we didn't really go over it that heavy. Yeah during training and it's crazy that it actually happened yeah so we all consolidated in encarnacion um was there for like a day and a half i got my tattoo there that was an incredible you got day. a tattoo yeah no it was way. very spontaneous yeah me and this girl um yeah i'm gonna say her name she doesn't go fuck kata and this dude dexter who is the owner of this hostel in Encar, super cool dude like in his early thirties, like learned, very progressive, like learned English through like housing volunteers over the years at his hostel. Hmm. Like super cool dude. We ended up getting like really high, like on the roof and like talking about like, I don't know, we were just like talking and then we were like, yo, we should all get tattoos. And we were like, and then like Katja started like drawing on me and Dexter, like different designs of what we got. Ended up deciding on getting matching foot tattoos, like looked up some, 
tattoo places in NCAR and then just like spontaneously walked there, like got the tattoos, like came back. That was an, that was a crazy day. That's fantastic. What's the tattoo? Um, I got on my right foot, I got Jaha, which means in Guarani, it means let's go. Right. And then on my left foot, I got the acronym of Paraguay, PY, with the flag Hell yeah. next to it. So it looks like, like, let's, like, the meaning is, like, let's go, like, to Paraguay. Hmm. Um, simple, like, first uh, tattoo. Um, I love that. Anyway, anyway, got to, the, got to the consolidation point in NCAR. Peace Corps chartered, like, a private, like, bus to come pick us all up. Like, we all put on masks, like. From then on out, it literally felt like we were in contagion. Like, we all got transported right. directly to a hotel in, in Asuncion, the capital. Met up with, like, a hundred and some, some like, a hundred other volunteers. Could like, about, like, 80 had already been evacuated. And then the government shut the airport. So, like, uh, then a hundred of us were still, like, stranded. We were at this hotel in Asuncion, like, waiting for direction. Like, it was silly because there was just, like, a hundred of us at this really nice hotel on the last night we were in Paraguay. So, of course, like, a lot of debauchery uh, happened. Um, eventually, we got the news that the government, U.S. government had to charter a private flight to get us and, like, some other, like, U.S., um, patriot or yeah, expats in Paraguay out of the country, including some like embassy personnel, non-essential. Mm-hmm. So we all <laughs> the the dude. The airport was closed. Like we when we got we we all got on the uh, like in, in on different buses. We all got on the buses in groups. Had a fucking police escort to the airport. <laughs> Crazy, bro. We had a police escort to the airport. <laughs> oh got to gosh. the airport. There were dudes decked out in like. They were that like, um, no, not even. They were like uh, military, mm. uh, Paraguayan military, so- like soldiers in military gear at the airport, like in the front. Literally, bro, this was, it was legitimately out of a movie. Had a police escort, like masks on, like they, they took, they were taking our temperatures with the, with the head temperature gun at the door. Yeah. Got into the airport. There's dudes in the, there's nobody in the airport but us. Dudes in the airport, like, with masks on, like, in the military garb, walking around with, like, guns. It was, it was crazy. Anyway, eventually got on the plane. It was, like, a very nice, like, 747, like, the big, like, international plane. Like, we had a ton of room to space out. Like, some volunteers decided to bring their pets home. So there was a shit ton of, like, sedated, like, dogs and cats on the back of the oh, plane. Oh, man. Like, if you walk back. If you walk back there, it was literally like a zoo. There were so many animals. Sedated? Why do they have to sedate? I mean, like, sedated so that they'd be calm during the flight. Yeah. There there were so many animals, so much commotion. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man, we got to, we all landed in Miami. Got there at, like, literally 2, 3 a.m. Spent the night in Miami. And then the next morning, everybody boarded their respective flight to their home. I thought I wasn't going to get home because they, they were, I remember they the day before JFK closed for a couple hours because of um, an outbreak or a possible infection. And so I was, and then my flight got delayed. So I was unsure if I was going to be able to make it home. So I was going to redirect my flight to Tampa because Zach, Zach was down, Zach Rosenthal, he was down there um, visiting his dad. And I was either going to redirect my flight, and if I couldn't redirect my flight, I was going to get a rental car and just drive to Zach. 
because I had to like quarantine for two weeks. Um, mm. Ended up catching a flight and, and getting back. And when I got back, it was reverse. I never thought reverse culture shock would be a thing. I'm sure you can like relate to that too. Like it's mm. like almost reverse culture shock is worse than like the culture shock I got when I got down to Paraguay. Like coming back here, was, I was overwhelmed with with everything. I remember driving back on the car, I just started like breaking down crying. When I got home, I was just like breaking down crying because it was just like so much being back in this environment, like with so much just like excess wealth, like so much comfort, like not having to worry about anything. Like it was a lot, dude. It was a lot. No, I feel that, man. I totally feel that. I I feel that every time I come home, it's a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack. I'm still like really trying to unpack it myself. And then, and that's when you when you feel it the most, like those moments of contrast, like right when you're like landing in Paraguay or coming back home. It's like those are the those are the moments that like hit you, you know. And yeah, I, especially for coming back home, because it's almost always like, like, like for me, I, I've I've been all over, and so like you're always really excited to go see a new place and explore and and see what's up, yeah. and then you come home to like the place that you've known for so many years, but then it's like all of a sudden so different. And it, in so a way it's like more impactful. Honestly, if anything, I thought like, I thought the opposite actually, when I came home, it mm. felt like time had just stalled. Mm. Like I was a completely new person. And like the environment I came back to in like seemingly was the same. Like the people I left, like, yeah, were, were like, they seemed like they were the same. Like, yeah. obviously I don't know if they were, but, yeah, yeah, I, I 100% I was... agree with that. I, I, I feel like, um, like, like my, like you change, like I change, like my perspective of what I see home as changes. But I, I definitely agree with you that like things seem to stay the same, right? But it's just like the way I view them now. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Reverse culture shock is a real thing. Totally. Totally. But yeah, that was the evacuation experience. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. It was incredible literally felt like something out of a movie yeah it's a wild experience man like it like being being international during coronavirus like when it started and i'm and i'm still international it's, it's, i know it's, i can't it's, believe it's you're one waters. of the you might be the last person that i know american that's like international right now. yeah yeah it's funny last one standing yeah most pretty much everybody went back i mean even the expat community in the in the city i live in right now i mean pretty much everybody went back but a, a few of us I read decided a, to stick I, it out yeah bro i read a statistic that the, the u.s department of state like repatriated close to a hundred thousand american citizens that were abroad yeah because yeah. of the pandemic Crazy. Yeah, exactly yeah i mean so they have these repatriation flights pretty often um you know, a few times a month here in Vietnam. So people are yeah. still taking them. I actually knew a friend of mine just went on one a, f- a few weeks ago and made it back to the U.S. But uh, they're expensive, man. They're like twelve, thirteen hundred bucks. Um, Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, so those are still running. Yeah, bro. It was. It was an experience. Yeah. Can you tell after I explained it? dude yeah no i mean it sounds it sounds insane man this whole this whole thing is insane like yeah it's it's, the whole coronavirus thing corona and then also just being abroad during corona just being abroad yeah 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 i I mean who would have thought who would have thought i would have like i was going to be affected by this literally in like 
the one of the I like a remote corner of the world. It affected everybody. That's what crazy. It literally reached. It has literally reached like touched every single part. I saw like I remember back in April. I saw there was like the first reported coronavirus death of an indigenous person in like the rainforest in like Brazil. Like it's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Are, do, are people wearing masks heavy out there? Like, what are the precautions like in Vietnam? So, so right now, man, there was actually just a new outbreak in the city. So I, I live in a city called Da Nang in central Vietnam. Okay. Um, and so we were good for the past, like, four or five months. Uh, things were basically back to normal. There was a lot like, of there public gatherings and stuff. Yeah, like, public gatherings, like, wow. events, parties, everything, man. Um, because there were no, there was no community transmission for, uh, I think a hundred days exactly. Um, and That's so incredible. we locked down towards the end of March for about two weeks and then, you know, slowly, like strict? strict, strict, strict. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then slowly started to open up after that and, um, things were, things were back to normal, man. And then about two weeks ago, there was an outbreak in the city I'm living in, in Da Nang and, wow. um, and the person who had the, the first reported case actually wasn't, didn't travel internationally at all. It just like showed up all of a sudden. And That's it's, scary. it's still a mystery and nobody knows how it got yeah. back in um, because there was no community transmission and the borders were completely shut. So like seemingly we should have been okay. And that's, what, you know, that's how we were all operating. Um, and so for the last two weeks, things have gone, gone back down into to strict lockdown man and the lockdowns here in Asia are are intense you know i mean we can't i i can't even order food all the like in, you can't order food from restaurants which is the wild thing uh so you have to cook for yourself the literally the only thing that's open is uh grocery stores um they even shut down like the local markets uh yeah. and all the grocery stores are like super expensive like comparatively just to the local market um has the have there been like inflation in the prices of certain products um i mean i don't know if there's like inflation per se although i might just not or just like it. a surcharge yeah and well that's like it's surge. more expensive for me and it's more expensive for everybody obviously and so like I, I i i feel for the vietnamese people that are like used to kind of just going to the local market and yeah um, getting something and when when i say more expensive like i'm thinking i eat like dragon fruit a lot so it's like you can get two dragon ah. fruits for, for $1 at the local market, but like the supermarket, it's like two bucks. So it's like, to me, it's like not more expensive, but still a hundred percent price increase. And like that affects yeah. the local people pretty oh, heavily. Oh, for sure. Um, and so, so yeah, man, that's where, that's where I'm at now. And the cases have, have only been going up despite this lockdown because they think it's a different strain and it's more contagious. And um, also just to give like a little perspective, like the case count right now, is about 200 in the city I'm living Whoa. in. The, before this outbreak, there was only 300 reported cases in all of Vietnam for the last five months. And then right now we're at like 700. And so the reason I say that is because it sounds so crazy in comparison to the US. Um, yeah. It's like, obviously it's, it, it's nothing really. Um, but the thing that I've been saying from the start is that like coronavirus is one thing to be you know, considering and have to manage, but then mm. governments and their reactions and their, and their restrictions is, is another thing, right? Like it, it sure. doesn't matter to me that there's only 200 cases, right? Like there might as well be 50,000 
the lockdown would still be just as strict, at least here in Vietnam. And so, sure. but the thing, but the, I want to circle back to what you're saying about the community transmission thing. That's hmm. the thing where we severely went wrong in the States. Like the community transmission is absolutely out of control here. There, yeah. like, there's no way of, it, it's already loose. Like there yeah. was a t- there was a time frame where it could have been prevented, but like we didn't take the proper, didn't take the proper precautions. And now it's the community transmission is rampant. Apparently they were, t- I saw an article that it might be, it, it's people are getting the virus more at home than when they're out. Like we, it might be, it might be uh, more efficient to wear a mask in and around the house than it is like out in public. Wow. Because the, like, that's how like crazy the, the, the transmit, the, that's how like loose the virus is. Like you can pick it up out in public, but when you're back in the house and you're not wearing a mask and you're like close around each other, that's how a majority of people are, are getting it. And that, and that's the thing, man, like it's so far gone. There's really like the window to lock down, like intensely lock down is, is, is past, you know, it, it's, it's kind of passed. Past. Exactly. It's been passed for a while and it's sad to see, you know, there's not much that yeah. can be done at this point. I mean, now it's how, more like reactionary as opposed to like preventative. How are people like, I mean, do people, are there gatherings? Like are stores open? Like what's the general, just cause I'm so disconnected from it all. So like, what's the general, like, are people kind of like disregarding it now? Cause you've had so oh, much yeah. of this lockdown. That's why I got off social media. I, although I just posted for the first time in like, um, well, I, I haven't been using social media for like the past like three weeks mm-hmm. um, because I was just so sick of people like literally just incriminating themselves on social media, like posting <laughs> stories of them like, <laughs> at the beach like with no mask with a sh- like giant groups of people like people are out in new york city again like at rooftop bars like in crowded space no mask like there was a, there was this giant chain smokers concert in the hamptons like a couple weekends ago apparently there was 2000 people there no way 2000 wow. people wow yeah people are not following the precautions that's the problem no. and it's mostly like young people yeah and like I, I could, I could definitely could be doing a better job about it, but I'm not like I'm. I am not going to, jo- I'm not going to large gatherings, like wearing no mask, no. And especially indoors. Like that's so, that's so risky, and I think like super irresponsible. 100%. I like the mask is the mask is a bitch. Like I'm not gonna lie, I fucking hate wearing a mask. Objectively, <laughs> it's very, it's very uncomfortable to wear them, especially now that it's like, 80, 90 degrees. But, like, mm-hmm. I do it. When I go inside and I have to wear a mask, I do it. I don't, like, put up a fit about it. I do it because we're all in this together. And if we – and if one per- – it's, like it's like the tragedy of the commons, like the idea that we, it's all in our best interest to work together, but due to, like, selfish – like, individual selfish, like, motives that every human has, we'll never be able to. And, and because of that, things will always just continue to get worse. And it's kind of like how it relates to climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And, but so, so, so the thing is about that, like that kind of like strict adherence individualism and people just kind of operating from what they want to be doing. It's like, yeah, honestly, like to me, like that's an American thing. Like that doesn't oh, exist 100%. in other countries. Like too, Dude, I was you know, talking other about countries are in the this, middle, yeah. like European countries. But like, if you look at Asian, I'm not sure about South American, but if you look at Asian countries, I mean, the, the, the society is so strict here and so cohesive as a unit and it's so based on community just like fundamentally from everything they do um and the way they live their lives and so it's like you don't have people like acting out or like 
you know, not following precautions here. Everybody's doing it. And it's not a question of whether you do it or not. And it's pretty wild to see the yeah. difference. And because like, I think it's easy to, to kind of get caught up in it and say, you know, people are, you know, they have their individual motives and, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. But like, I think that's a, it's a cultural construct. I, I don't think it's, mm. it's, it's not widespread. I mean, cause yeah, these Asian countries, you know, they're, they're, they're doing it. And I mean, you can also, I, I think another big reason for why they've been more successful in Asia is because they've had other outbreaks in the past. And so they were more prepared. So they have like precautions and, and committees that were kind of already established before everything broke out. Um, so yeah. they kind of, they, they kind of know like what to jump into. Um, and that definitely plays a role as well. But I, I, I really think that like in the, in the context of like a pandemic like this, like having that strict social structure is, is really important. Dude, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think this whole pandemic is making a lot of the glaringly obvious like flaws in our, in our culture, our government, like mm-hmm. very obvious now. It's like bringing them to the light. And I hope, this uh this can be like a social like awakening for us i hope it is truly because if it's not we're doomed right and i mean it, it is tough right like because individualism right like i i, I think fundamentally what everything what, what most things come down to is like individualism versus um just like community oriented right i think you can yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah. put all cultures on that spectrum um and america being you know the most individual focus it was found like literally it was founded on that and so like we you know, hold these truths evident that all men are created equal and are right. endowed like inalienable rights like and it's like the doctrine are, yeah go there go are 100 percent, you know many benefits to that like un- undeniably but like yeah you for know sure. I, I just in the context of a pandemic it, it's it's not good is what i want to say yeah man no i agree with you yeah it's sad bro but you know, so you gotta you know it's it's interesting man like i've i've been thinking about coming back you know i yeah i'm not i'm not set on it i don't really know what i'm gonna do um but i'm thinking about it and w- one of my reasons it's gonna sound a little weird but i want to see i want to see what you have to say it's like i've been i've been I, i'm obsessed with like the 60 to 70 so i'm always watching movies listening to old rock bands whatever um and like the 60s like in particular the late 60s was like a time of just like social revolution, right? Like, yeah, man. Um, everything that was going on between freedom of speech, civil rights, civil rights, yeah, w- women's rights, freedom of speech, everything, right? Yeah, and so, is. people anti- now, anti-war movement, yeah. anti-war, exactly, anti-war, anti-Vietnam War, which is where yeah. I'm at, which is crazy. Crazy. Um, Look at that. Yeah, and uh, but you know, you hear people talk about it, and like they talk about how it was such like a pivotal moment in like American society, and mm-hmm. like. I Ooh, you want to be part of the revolution. That's that's what I like. I almost have like a Ooh. FOMO of like, well, shit, like if if this year or this next few years are like such a pivotal moment in American society between, you know, like mm. Trump presidency, pandemic, all these things that are going mm. on. It's like I don't want to miss it. And like I know it sounds mm. kind of weird because it's like all these things are negative for the most part. And it's like, why would you want to subject yourself to that? But at the same time, it's like it's my country, you know, and I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on in my country, even though I know it will be tough. Um, So that's, that's honestly a big reason for why I've been thinking about coming back. I'm not, 
again, like I said, I'm not sure if I will, but maybe. Dude, what, so a, what a what a what a great perspective! I'm, I really I'm, applaud you for that. That's brave of you, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I'm curious yeah. to know like what like the the general feeling of of the people in in America in terms of like are people just like fucking pissed? Like, is everybody just pissed off at each other? Because that's kind of what it seems like. Are people? I I don't know. Like, are are young people like excited man. for change? Look. There, I think there's two different ways to look at this. You can, you can, you can gain your opinions about what's going on from like social media, like mainstream media and the TV, or you can like formulate your opinion from like firsthand experience, like your everyday interactions with people. Right. And like, yeah, the conversations you have with like yourself internally and both of those routes will make you formulate like completely different opinions about a certain topic. I just finished this book called the four arguments for the elimination of television and very, very interesting book. Um, the title kind of, kind of explains what the book is about. And I think ever since the George, George Floyd incident, um, that it was like that that occurred while I was reading the book. I, I mean, I started it before, and after just seeing, I mean, I've I've I mean, in Paraguay, I kind of like, I mean, I, I I never really watched TV. I or I was I was very tuned out, bro. I was very disconnected from just like mm-hmm. mainstream media and just what was going on and just focusing on my on my immediate reality and the steps I and like the positive steps I could make in my reme- like immediate reality, like being just being a kind person and caring about and trying to make a change things on like a local scale. I think when you try to, I think when you, I, I guess like you probably agree with this, but I, I, I basically, after the George, after the George Floyd thing and how everything that happened with the media and, and the swift change and like media coverage and then like, social media i i kind of just realized that every every all all decisions that human beings make are rooted out of some like selfish desire and motive and anybody that says that that it's not is a liar or you're they're just not <laughs> cognizant of it no like truly it, it's like yes I, I, I like for example like i went to basically there's there's nothing you do in life that's like completely selfish selfless i'm sorry completely selfless Mm -hmm. that's just a lie i don't know who like who started who started circulating that rumor for example i went to go serve like with the peace corps obviously like i there was the possibility to do a lot of like awesome stuff to like quote unquote like change the world and like make an impact but at the end of the day i did it because like it sounded like an incredible experience i wanted to learn a new language and just that those the the possibility of like making an impact and like making like a small scale change in the world that's just an additive to like my selfish desire of like furthering like my professional career or furthering like some sort of like emotional or like mental void that I have 
So basically what I'm trying to say is there's, there's selfish desire rooted in every decision you make. And just this idea that I, I, I notice this a lot, a lot with like seeing people starting to share like, um, like story, like how, like, a lot, I don't know if you've been on social media, but back when like the George Floyd thing popped off, like people were started to share like a lot of like politically driven, like messages, like, and it was people I was seeing that were never down for the cause before, but now but now they were somehow for the cause out of, I don't know what that was rooted of. Maybe it was like guilt, like fear, like peer pressure. I don't know. But I just realized, I feel like a lot of people, humans are just selfish and some of them are just outraged just because they want to, I don't know, fit just because they don't want to be judged by others for not being outraged or right, which is so just other, toxic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, I really consider myself a cynical person. I actually just ordered a bunch of books. Oh, uh, I was talking to him about this. You read, um, have you read Meditate, you, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius? Oh, man, that, that's my Bible. Dude, I, I carry a copy just, with me everywhere I go. I just ordered it. I'm really excited to read it, bro. Dude, hell yeah. I'm curious. Do, do you know like which uh, translation, like who did it? No, I, I, I'll, um, I can look it up, but... Um... He's like the godfather of like modern stoicism. Yeah, exactly, man. He's, he's yeah, a brilliant I, I, guy. Yeah, I really want to, I'm starting to get into like that way of thinking and just those thought patterns, like in terms of like cynical thinking and like stoic thinking. Because mm -hmm. I think it's a very rational way, rational and like healthy and objective way to go about your life. Um, in, in all aspects, in all aspects, emotionally, like mentally, physically, everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I got sidetracked. Uh, I'm trying to think about where I was trying to go with my point about human beings being selfish and then tying that back in to like the bigger movement. Oh, all the social movements going on right now. Honestly, am I like, am I, in my personal day to day life? I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm truly not affected by anything that's going on, right? Objectively, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I live, like, I'm, I'm, I'm living on Winfield with my parents in, like, <laughs> very white affluent area. Winfield. No, I'm, I'm going to be very objective about that. Right. I, and, but I have a lot of black friends. I, had a, I have a lot of minority friends, probably most, more than a lot of people. Like, I would say, like, half of my half of my friends here in New York are either like black or Hispanic, if not like a majority of them. Um, so, and, and a lot of them are outraged, especially my black friends. If like any one of my friends is outraged, like, of course I'm going to be outraged as well and feel for them because they're my friend, mm -hmm. like irrespective of like what their like skin color is or anything else, like creed, every, anything, because my friends are outraged about a certain issue. I'm going to be, I'm going to be outraged as well. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to take steps to it as well. But at the end of the day, like I'm not objectively, I'm not truly in other. I mean, there are things that I, that I'm impacted in, but I just think everybody has their own passions and cause and path and mine. What I've figured out throughout my entire life, mine has been like linked to like nature and the environment. And I can't, I can't fake, like, I, I think faking passion, faking passion is very difficult for me. I can't do it. 
So like, I, I can't fake like I'm very, I, I think the things that are happening right now, a lot of the social movements are very important, but I can't fake like I'm passionate about them. I'm more passionate about like climate change or other environmental issues that are very important as well. And I think mm. now that nowadays, especially in the States or people with our age, there's this cult, there's like this cancel culture of like, if you're not for this movement or if you don't think this way, like you're a bad person, you're an evil person. And that's just not the, like, that's just not the case. Just everybody has let like everybody has their path and, and like that's okay some people can be very passionate about one thing and some people can be very passionate about the other thing i just don't i just think there's a lot of issues before i really get behind these social movements i think a lot of issues like internally with them need to be addressed before i can really get behind them there we go i 100 percent agree with you and i i, I yeah. love the way that you phrase it i yeah, yeah. totally agree yeah, bro, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it, it's like, yeah, I mean, when I'm thinking about you know coming back, it's like, I that like Black Lives Matter, for example, like it's not necessarily like 100 percent my cause or like where my head is at, you know, like yeah. it's not. Um, obviously, that's not to say like it, it's a really important movement and and all that, um, but it's just not like what I'm doing and pursuing in my life, right? For and sure. so it's. Yeah. And I, you know, if I were to come back, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what I'd be doing. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd be getting involved or, or doing whatever. And it's, I, you know, it's kind of like a selfish thing, right? Like for me, I think, cause it's I just okay kind of want to wanna see it, you know, yeah. like, I just want to see what's going on. I, I think some it. people, yeah. I think some people are embarrassed to be quote unquote selfish nowadays because of like this, the, the culture that we live in, the cancel culture that we live in. But at the end of the day, yeah. you need to take care of yourself first. Exactly. Like you are the most important person. Like you need to take you need to you need to take care of yourself first before you help others. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I know all my I like I don't feel guilty at all. Um, in terms of st I don't know like things I've done so far to contribute to like the, the social movements going on. Cause I have done some stuff, but I know, like, I know all my friends know, like my, tr I, like my resume speaks for itself. Like I'm not, I'm not guilty about anything that I've like, haven't done because I've done a lot. And I've also, I've, I've made mistakes too. I'm not a perfect person. I've definitely like in high school, like when we were younger, dude, I was thinking, I was talking to your brother about this. It was like, we said a lot of like fucked up stuff when like we were in, like we said that like when we were in middle school and stuff, like remember the thing I always point back to is like, remember when, uh, remember in like eighth grade in English class when Miss, Miss Kitson told Brian to go get the stapler and he couldn't <laughs> find it. And she was like, Brian, it's right there. Like open your eyes. And we all started like dying laughing. Yeah. Like that shit. Like that's just, it's like kids being kids. And yes, objectively it's fucked up. Like, yeah. I, like I remember in middle school too, like whenever someone was being cheap, like people would be like, yo, like why are you being so Jewish right now? Like they were just like fucked up. Like we've all, and, and like, that's just a part of just like, like maturing. There's no need to like, there's no need to like, true, like ruin someone's life because of a couple mistakes that like 100%. they've made. And, and, and yeah. yeah. What's, what's crazy about that is I always think about like, I wonder if it was just where we grew up and where we came from that those things were so harsh because like the real no, world I think is it, not, not like yeah. that at all. And like, yeah, it's like sure. kids being kids, but it's like, 
you know, I went to university in California and it's like, I don't think kids are saying that type of stuff. Like I, I really? think the examples you gave are, yeah. are good, but I, I think there's some that are like even more intense and more like more just charged than that. Oh, uh, that oh for sure. Like some for really sure. intense shit that I would never say I heard loud. some. I heard some crazy shit in college that like really yeah. made me well, even Even now, man, like I'll come back to, to New York and I hear people, the way they talk and um, I don't know, man. I, I don't think, I don't think, that's all I can say is that I don't think other parts of the country talk and you just talk that way um like in but terms I'm, of like being like worse or bad like worse or better uh better in terms of like correctness right and being like more kind of socially aware i think that yeah. like in if new york anything, i think people less... are really just intense about what they're what they're saying and doing sure sure yeah no 100 100 percent. yeah uh i mean like like racism is not central to the United States. Like in Paraguay, there there's a ton of racism towards indigenous people, just like there is yeah. in our country too. Yeah, man. There's or so there much. There was and still is. Like people are. There's, like, there's so much racism in the world that isn't even classified as racism. I mean, right. people are, are like they don't racist, think about it as quote racism. unquote they, to yeah. me every day here, right? Like they're making judgments and assumptions based on my skin color. And it's, it's every day, man. Like when I was, you know, back in March, when we had that first lockdown, um, all the recent cases were imported, right? So there were people yeah. that were coming from other countries. And, you know, those are majority white people or just yeah. that are being repatriated. And so there's this huge animosity towards white people. And like, it lasted for like a good month and a half, man. And people were like, people wouldn't serve you. Like they would turn you away. That's like I crazy. Was, I, I had a girlfriend at the time and Whoa. She, she's a, she's Asian. And so um, I remember we went on like a road trip and we had to find a place to stay for the night. Um, and we uh, like nobody, if I walked in first, they would just say they're closed and turn me away. So like what we did was we'd have her go first and like ask if we could sleep. And then like, I'd kind of just sneak in and like, we did the same for food. Like she would have to go get me food and buy it because they wouldn't serve me otherwise. And so it's like, it, I'm just using that as, I, I don't, I'm not saying like, I'm like a victim of, of racism, but I'm saying like, these sure. are the things that happen Objectively, you know, in every things, country. Yeah. Objectively, like, there's biases wherever you go around the world. Yeah. It's and unfortunate, I think, but like, it exists. Like, it's unfortunate, but it does exist. We all have our own biases. And it's almost like even more so, I mean, like, let's take just Vietnamese culture and it's like, it's very just consistent like only vietnamese people live in vietnam right and then yeah. like a few a few expats that choose to make this country their home whereas like america you have spanish people and african-americans and you know everybody right asians yeah. like and other countries are not like that and i think that because of that other countries are really racist like they're really racist but it doesn't oh, yeah it doesn't become a problem that is talked about because there's so little people in other countries that are different like socially aware. we're such a yeah, small yeah, sure, sure. Exactly. minority like there's not you know everybody here is vietnamese and that, that, that's it you know so it's uh, like the people crazy, there's also man. just I, I also think there's just not a platform in other countries for that type of topic to be spoken of on a wide scale due to like government infrastructure yeah. or just like societal infrastructure i don't know Definitely Asian countries. I mean, it's it really restricted what you can say. Yeah, the speech, yeah. Yeah. 
super restricted. Mm. Apparently, there's a. I, I learned this. Um, I learned this a couple weeks ago. The king. There's a Thailand has a king. Like he's a, he's a legit a king. Yeah. He's just like yeah. an app. Yeah. That's funny. He's kind what, of a, what? Yeah. He's apparently he's a very flamboyant dude. Yeah, he's not super great. I mean, he's not like, like, really just bad to his people in terms of like, like there haven't been like any like big mistakes or like, sure, you know, th- things like that. But um, he's definitely like a little bit of a wild card. Um, I think that the Vietnamese government is pretty good in in my perspective. I think that like in terms of Asia. The countries that you have to really watch out for are like China, obviously, and I think the <laughs> Philippines also has a, yeah. is a dictatorship that's just yeah super unpredictable. I, I had a few mm. friends that were stuck in lockdown in the Philippines, and they were oh. enforcing it by by death. Like it was yeah, it's like mili- yeah, it's like absolute like military yeah. law. Over and there. so it, it doesn't Total- necessarily mean that you're shooting people on the, on the side of the road that are out past curfew, but like it means that they are allowed to if they choose to, and it's a pretty yeah, wild thing. Isn't that crazy, bro? Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Um, that dude, that dude. I think his name is Duterte. He's a Duterte. A scary. Is exactly. a scary individual. He was. I think yeah. he was like a. He was like a commander in the Philippine army before he took over. So he's got he's crazy. like he's got all he's the whole military is just on his side. It's it's crazy, man. Like I spent uh how like maybe three weeks in the Philippines after I, I fled China back in like January. And uh, yeah. man, I I love the Philippines, man. The people there, the culture, everything about it is fucking so beautiful and amazing and it's so it's so chill and calm. I mean, it's a country of like 2000 islands, right? Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's island life every day, all day. Right? It's just, wow. and it's, it's crazy that the, the government is so strict because it's such just, a, it's just such a contrast from like the way you would think it would be do you, or even do you think, it should be. But do you think the, the strict regime of the government contributes to like the chill aspect of the country in terms of like crime and people just like following the rules? Hmm. Mm, could be like that could type be, of coer- does that coercion like contribute to like the people aren't state of- people aren't getting out of line as much yeah. it could be man it it definitely could be that. but yeah. I, I think that like in in terms of Duterte like I think that there's a lot of bad thing like he's cracking down really strictly on drugs man and it's like yeah yeah it, that Super scary it's hard to determine like the just the correct way to proceed with that because if you look at america and like the crackdown on drugs like the war on drugs back in like the 80s and 90s mm. and, and even today it's like those those incarcerations are not in my perspective just for the most part like like if, oh, you're, if you're busting bro. somebody selling like a gram of weed or whatever it is and so it's like i think it's 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 hard to say like if it's i don't know if it's a good thing to be having because like sure maybe less people are doing drugs but at the same time you know, I think it causes a lot of just but, social strife. But I, I will yeah, but, say though, talking about all this stuff, like, I in large, like every country I've been to, I think people, people you know, from America basically, um, they always ask me. One of the first things they always ask or talk about is like the political state of the country. Yeah. Um, but like, that is so 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 disconnected from what's actually going on in the country. Like the Philippines is a perfect example. Like I think that. Like all these things I'm talking about, I did not see, I did not witness any of that during my time in the Philippines, right? Like 
Yeah. I one of my I remember specifically some one of my family friends asked me, like brought up to Turte and like just asking about how I was going, it was like was like worried that I was there. And it's like it's not I mean the Philippines is incredibly chill. The people are incredibly kind. Everybody speaks English, which is awesome. Um and so it's just it's not reflective. You know, the actual country and the everyday people are not mm-hmm. reflective of the government. And it's the same way yeah. same way with okay, China. I lived in yeah. I lived in China for however long and like being in America, yeah, it's like I, I'll say I'm American, and, and people will ask me. The first thing they'll ask is like, "Oh, are you a Trump supporter?" Or like they'll yeah. just assume I'm a Trump supporter. I'm just like, dude, like I didn't fucking, I didn't choose the guy <laughs> to be our president. Like, why? You know, I have a funny it, story about weird. that too. It's weird I, that um, people like connect governments with people when it's just not the way. It I is. know. I was on the, I was taking the bus back to my site, and this was after. Um, that like when, when when Trump bombed like the dude from Iran, took out that military leader. Do you do you remember that? Just back in like yeah, yeah, January, yeah. February, mm-hmm. and the bus driver. It was really loud in the front of the bus, and I was about to get off of my stop. And in span, and I even like in like broken Spanish and Guarani, he was trying to. He asked me like, he 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 was he was trying to ask me. So is Trump gonna start World War Three? And at that time, I I didn't have my phone on me like. I, I like I I just like didn't bring my phone wherever I had traveled. I forget where I went. So I was off my phone for a bit of time. And I thought he said like so Trump like started World War Three. And I legitimately thought like he, <laughs> like a war broke out and I had no idea about it because I had been off my phone for like a day. And oh my god, I was so spooked. And then finally like I got back and understood what, what he was trying to what he was trying to tell me. And I was like, oh, phew. But, yeah, yeah it's crazy how, like, yeah, I got a lot of those questions. Um, Dude, back in, like, in early constant. March, yeah, constant about Trump, like, um, I'm trying to think about what other questions I got. I, like, I got the same thing about coronavirus. Like, in early March, some dude asked me in Spanish, he was like, tu trajiste corona, coronavirus acá? Like, did you bring, did you bring the coronavirus here? And I was just like, kind of just laughed it off and like said, no, whatever. It was like, it was kind of just like a sarcastic. Yeah. Comment, that but... stuff gets old, man. Like I came back. Like, <laughs> I know my, <laughs> my like trajectory after I, I fled China was I went to the Philippines for three, four weeks, whatever. Went back to the States for three weeks actually. And then came back to Vietnam. But talk like when I was about, back, can you, can you yeah. talk about fleeing? <laughs> can you talk about fleeing China? Yeah, I can get into it. I can get into it. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, let's talk about it. So you were on literally, you were literally on the front. You were on the front lines, bro. Of all well, it's funny, man. It's, isn't it crazy, dude? Like, what the yeah. fuck? It's just such a crazy thing to think about, even now. You know. Okay. And, okay. Um, real quick. Real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Do you think? Do you believe the the theory that it came from the market or it came from the lab? Listen, man, I remember you sent me a video on this a few months ago. Dude. I don't <laughs> listen. I don't know. I don't I haven't looked into it enough. Like, I think that I've I wavered back and forth. And at the end of the day, it's irrelevant because like, we'll never know the true answer. Like, we'll never know. We'll, but, we'll never know. Yeah. But I I've wavered on it. At first, I was like, I was on the lab train. And then I was and then I was back on like, oh, it came from it came from the wet market, like the the what's it called? The 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 explanation is very it's a very parsimonious explanation that it came from the wet market. But now I'm back on the lab train. 
<laughs> now you're back after, on the live after track. hearing after hearing that objectively objectively the the transmission rate of the virus is incredibly low if not close to zero outdoors because it dies in uv light like almost instantaneously right meaning me but the but the transmission rate indoors is really high just like a bacteria just like humans or any other creature a plant things evolve so so if if this virus has a high trend I'm, and i'm not a, i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist although i do have a bs um the virus it's got a high transmit the dude was saying it's got a high transmission i'm, I'm kind of just regurgitating what this epidemiologist was saying or no evolutionary biologist saying that if it if if this virus evolved in an indoor environment when you evolve to an environment you become more fit to an environment you become more like likely to like survive and reproduce meaning that your the transmission rate of the virus the fact that it's high quite possibly leads to the fact it originated in a lab environment in an indoor closed environment where the transmission rate is high right because if it like in the if it let's say let's say it 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 jumped let, let's say we take like the the wet market theory to be correct that's an outdoor environment where like uv light is present like the environmental conditions are present if it really started there like you know what I mean? Like things. Well, well let me ask you this, like, man. Like, yeah. like the, the the virus evolves, like you said, and so like, what if it started in the wet market and now it has evolved to be more sustainable indoors, just because that was the, you know, least path of resistance forward, and that's the way it was able to reproduce. Like that that True. evolution could have happened afterwards, and it's coming you're out. You're so right. No, you're so right. It, yeah. it does seem like there's a uh, a few different strains. I mean, I don't know. I'm not super up on it, but like. Yeah, it definitely maybe, is yeah. adapting and changing. So crazy, bro. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's irrelevant like, to like yeah think about because we'll never really know. It doesn't matter. Like, like it doesn't matter how it originated. All that matters is it's like here and it's still circulating. That's the only thing that matters. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is like it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Like it's like uh we'll never know, but like different pieces of information will come out. And I think sure. like is the Chinese government capable of doing something like that 100 percent. like would they do yeah, it? I, I don't it's hard like it seems like a pretty just but, like uh like a widespread like a shotgun shell kind of fucking attempt right like they didn't know that it was going to get to the u.s and just wreak mayhem right like they had, but what if they like, did bro like crazier shit in history has happened that's yeah, the thing yeah. like crazier stuff has happened like chinese hegemony right now is crazy they're they're trying to like they have they're, they're literally trying to like take over the world and become the predominant like economic like hegemonic is that a word let me look that up yeah hegemonic. well the u.s is too aren't they i mean it's just yeah i mean the u.s is too about. yeah hege- that's it is word hegemonic force <laughs> in, in the global economy in the global world and throwing the uh, your 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 rival the u.s into like economic catastrophe social catastrophe could help you get a leg up in your like eventual goal to global dominance bro undeniable that that's their goal um and that like it is helping them you know probably in the long run in terms of just geopolitical power but like yeah i like i i think a useful tactic is always just think about like the risk to reward i know of like what a what a country is doing right like there's a there's a conspiracy theory that like the U.S. government has the cure to cancer, but they're not releasing it because cancer 
um, supplies so much revenue for the healthcare system, basically. Sure. Chemo treatments and stuff like that. And it's like, think about what you're. No, I don't. Right? I don't. Like I, don't if, I can't get. I can't get behind that theory though, because if there yeah, was okay. a cure for cancer inside well, so, so, the scientific community, like. So so we'll stick be, to yeah. Corona, but it's like sure. think about like what that implies. It's like China runs the risk of being found out, and like if they're found out to have done what's, that, like think but what's about what's going to happen though. Like really, what's but like what though? I mean, it's hard to, but just what like are the repercussions? Massive, like China's a very powerful sanctions. force nowadays. They are, but they don't give a I fuck. Guess, it's they're hard so to say, like, if they're now. so powerful where they don't give a fuck. But like, I think it would still. I mean, if every country in the world was just like slapping sanctions on China and said, like, we're not going to deal with you anymore, like, I think that would still be pretty impactful. But they not, don't give they're a not fuck, though. That, That's the thing. They're not powerful enough. To be, I think they are. They, Dude, they other are, than they the United States, China's like the now are like the number like the number one. Yeah, hegemonic force in, in in the world. It's crazy. Well, let me ask you this. There, there's Actually, Chinese developments in Africa now. Jamaica, like they have well, special so, interests in Latin America. It's crazy, bro. Do you do you know? Have you heard of the Belt and Road Initiative, the BRI? No, no, dude. So that's li- literally what you just said is is most likely cl- connected in some way to the BRI. And man, it's the most it's the most diabolical fucking like. Let me hear it. Shit hear it. You'll hear about that. And it's basically what it is. China has so much money so much money man and yeah bro their their hand right like their their play right now is the bri and what it what they're doing is going into all these uh developing and underdeveloped countries and basically loaning money supplies and knowledge to build um build airports roads ports all my these god they're doing that in that paraguay there was they, there was a bunch they're of doing like, it, taiwanese yeah. well well not like i know taiwan's like Different, very considered different. an independent port, but like there were yeah. the, the Taiwanese government, there were there were like Taiwanese like government signs in Paraguay. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, 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 dude. It's everywhere, man, and especially yeah. in Africa, like you said. And it's like, and so they're they're putting all this money, all these investments into these countries, and these countries, it's not free money. These countries are now going to be in debt to China by with exactly. billions, billions of dollars, man. And it's like these are all things that countries need to develop right like these are the building blocks of what a developed country is like literally thinking about like water and like when talking about like the the dirt roads in paraguay like having a having a a paved road compared to a dirt road is means so much in terms of like the state of that group of people like like having a paved road is so important for just supply also like medical assistance and so yeah yeah but i also heard a great um perspective from one of my um, Peace Corps volunteers, I forget who it was, about the detriments of like development of like a dirt road, uh, of, like an like a, a paved road. Like for example, there's a small community, small beach community, somewhere in the developing world. They get a develop, they get a asphalt road. Now it's more accessible to tourism, and then a bunch of big like hotel companies come in and they buy up property on the beach they put up these giant hotels and start pushing out like yeah yeah yeah. the small yeah the small business owners i mean it is like in yeah in theory like there's yeah yeah it's it's very true man what you're saying and like it also like you see so many happy people living the way they're living like out in the countryside in vietnam or in paraguay and it's like 
you realize that you don't need that stuff. Right. Yep. But it's like the, the thing is, it's like, there's a very strong argument for like using basically statistics saying like, listen, man, we're going to build these roads. Child mortality rates going to go down. Like we're going to get vaccinations to people quicker. People are going to live longer. They're going to get better access to education. It's like, these yep. arguments are like very strong. Like you can't, nobody would deny that. Right. Like nobody's going to say like, no, to China, like no, nobody's going to say like, don't help us out. Don't build all these great things for our society. Like, even though in the long run, it does turn into all that bullshit, like tourism and people just kind of being sucked into the machine of like modern society and working for a corporation rather than working mm. for countryside. But it's like, but like the argument is so strong and it just doesn't, it doesn't make enough sense to just not do that. Like it doesn't make us, sure. doesn't make sense to not develop. Right. For um, sure. and so every, everybody's basically going to take that handout, not handout, but everybody's going to make that deal with China. And it's scary to think about, like it's, it's billions of billions of dollars. Right. And they've been doing this for years now. Uh, I even have a few friends back in Beijing that actually work for a think tank uh, that supports the BRI. And I'm just like, what the wow. hell is that? and so yeah. like one, one small example is um, Tibet, right. In China. So like in the fifties, yeah um the dalai lama used to live in tibet right they were separate from china in the 50s but then china came in um and took over right they made it a part of china uh it, yeah. to this day is still a part of china the dalai lama to this day still lives in india because he was kicked out um and tibet man to me it's like the countries i love the most are like thailand nepal i would love tibet but i've never been i was in nepal a few months back i'd love but, like, to go to tibet bro and like study buddhism and do some like tai chi dude it's just like it's the most it's got to be the most just powerful and spiritual awakening place like in the world and there's so much history behind it and yeah, china dude. has moved in and destroyed so much of it dude like they destroy like how so they destroy well in the 50s when they took over they destroyed everything they destroyed every temple every old artifact right like when mao zedong was in power like the oh, cultural revolution they were just they were destroying everything that resembled the past and to this day like you can't go to tibet if i wanted to go to tibet what you'd have to do is you'd have to pay literally like two thousand dollars to um sign up for this guided tour where a chinese government official comes with you right and That's they a, accompany uh, a group of people and they kind of take you to these predetermined locations around tibet and you're not allowed to interact with the local people and so there's really like no way fuck? for people to get to tibet these days like to actually see it and like the argument they make is like because and tibetan people like do not like any of this shit obviously right yeah, of course. um and you know so they're they're pissed and there's been like revolts and just you know things throughout uh the past few decades um where they've just been trying to gain their independence or do whatever just kind of gain a little bit of, of just you know uh freedom right and the argument china makes to them and to the rest of the world it's like look like we came into tibet and look at the statistics, like look at the child mortality rate, look at like, you know, all these roads that we're building and all like their access to clean water. It's like, they're doing all these great things, but it's like, the the, the deal is like, okay, we're gonna do all these things, but now you have to listen to everything you say and like live by our rules, you know? Mm. And it's, it's just a hard trade-off and you see it constantly with China. And like, one of the things, like I moved to China originally one, because I love Asia. Um, I just yeah. I love, I love everything. I love being here. I love the people, you know? Um, and so 
my goal after college was to, you know, find a job internationally, right? Didn't necessarily have to be in Asia, but would have loved if it was. And yeah. I ended up finding, finding this gig in, in Beijing. And, you know, it was, it was more How'd you so find I, it again, by the way? How'd you come across that opportunity? Um, I literally, man, I was just, I was at my apartment and like a friend, a few friends were over and like one of the girls like mentioned it and she kind of just like offhandedly mentioned, she's like, oh, I applied to this really cool company. And I was like, wait, wait a second. You need to tell me more about that. And I just like got uh, connected through her. Um, cool. She just word of mouth, basically. Did she um, get into it? She, she get it's funny. It's funny. She got accepted, but then ended up, she decided not to go. And I was bummed yeah. out about it because I thought we were going to do it together. But um, for sure. Yeah. Um, wait, where, where was I though? Um, yeah. And so like, I, I didn't, people ask like, why did I move to China? And like, my answer is I'm like, I didn't like choose China. I didn't move to China. Right. I, I, mm. I, I liked the job and I kind of thought, Oh, I'll give it a shot to move to China. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really know too much about it, man. And, and I do, Oh shit. I do love it there. Like no doubt. Like I love the mm -hmm. people, I love the food, um, all that stuff, but it's like, being there and living there and learning more about like the history and what's going on and like people you know places like tibet or like the xinjiang region in like western china i don't know if you're familiar uh -huh. with it but it, it's there's been a lot of news about all these um like re-education camps in xinjiang which are basically just prisons um but it's like living there yeah bro i like, heard about that you i have these these feelings of like you're supporting this communist regime that's just so doing so much bad around the world. And it's like, sure. just by living there, you're supporting them, right? Like I'm spending money yeah, there doing all this stuff. Yeah. And yeah, man, it started to really like get to me a little bit. Um, but then I ended up leaving his Corona anyway. But, uh, but my yeah. Tai Chi teacher was telling me about how a lot of the original like Tai Chi masters and like Tai Chi forms have been lost in China because the government like took over a lot of the schools and then like made their own form that like doesn't involve a lot of the martial art aspects of Tai Chi. It waters it down. Cause like, they don't want, they don't want like citizens like well-versed in like Tai Chi and like martial arts. Yeah, man. You know what they I mean? Hate, they want to be totalitarian. They want to have full control. They hate like all religion. They hate all tradition, man. Like anything old, they just are trying they're to. They're trying to just like, they're trying to like purify and make it like a homogenous yeah. society. And it's so sad yeah. because, and it's, it is incredibly homogenous, um, but it's so sad because China has such a rich culture, but like, you know, Confucianism oh, yeah. and like Ta Taoism, like all these things have been destroyed, man. Like it's very sparse. That's so that. sad to hear, bro. Like there, there is so like sad to hear. hardly any, yeah. And, you know, I, I will say that I've only lived in Beijing and I've traveled to a few other cities um, within China, but I don't think I've lived there long enough to truly, truly, I mean, there's 1.4 billion people, right? Like I've never been deep in the countryside, right? Like, so I, I you know, I can't speak to everything, but in, in general, totalitarian government, you know, de de destroying all that stuff. And um, I mean, it all started in the fifties when Mao Zedong came into power and the communist yeah. regime was first appointed with like the cultural revolution and the, the great leap forward. Um, we don't have yeah. to get into that, but like, yeah, yeah that's man. a lot, bro. That's another rabbit hole. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It really is. But where were um, we dude? Fuck Corona and like me fleeing China. Yeah. The, the yeah, the, the front lines, the front lines of the virus. You're on the, the front, front lines, line. dude. And uh, January. What, one more thing before I get into it. It's like when I, when I first moved to China, I remember this so clearly. I said to my dad, I was like, listen, man, like 
China seems pretty, it just seems like really just wild, like a lot of things are happening there, man. Like it's a wild kind of place. And like, it would be, it would be cool to see something go down in China while I spend the next two years there. Yeah, that'd be like, crazy. Obviously, Witness, I don't want like, to see something like where I'm like putting myself in harm's way, but like just exactly. something. And it's like this whole Corona thing happened. And this is like exactly the type of thing I was referring to. But, um, mm. and also the whole Hong Kong thing happened. I mean, to be in China yep. in Hong Kong is, is pretty wild as well. And so that's also so just yet another example. Yeah. So, so did China like fully take over Hong Kong? Like what's the deal with that? Dude, yeah. Well, so like a few weeks back, I mean, they, they instituted that new law, basically, basically taking over like the, um, the, um, like the, 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 the police and like the, the, um, the, just the policing system in Hong Kong. So they have pretty much full power over like the people and who they're going to basically prosecute. And I prosecute That's almost insane. sounds like there's like due justice, but it's like, it's kind of just like choosing who they throw in prison. Um, and so the they protests, pretty much, yeah. And the protests were originally against like China, like interference and aggression in Hong Kong. Cause Hong Kong's always, since they gained independence from Britain has been an independent yeah and like governing the thing, body the thing is yeah that's exactly what it was i mean there was there was one specific law that china was trying to pass that basically used really vague language and uh people in hong kong kind of thought that it would um it, it was an extradition law so people that were tried in hong kong could be extradited to the chinese um, oh, mainland to be yeah. tried um and basically what that would allow is like China to just have like an too, too much power on like the judicial no. judicial system in Hong Kong. So that's how it originally started. But um, like like you said, yeah, when Hong Kong um, was basically released, and I think like 1997, I want to say uh, that could be wrong. But like ever since then, the Chinese government has been like slowly encroaching on Hong Kong and their freedoms, like one by one, like law by law, right? And th that's kind of what they do with a lot of places and. Um, and Hong Kong just had enough of it, man. They were getting scared and they just, they want to keep their, they want to maintain their freedom. I mean, it's such a, it's such a fascinating thing to think about. Hong Kong is, is a pocket of capitalism Whoa. and free speech in mm -hmm. the center of communism on, yeah, it's on crazy, our globe. Bro. Like think yeah. about like, what if like Florida was just this incredibly communist state just living right Florida inside. Florida is already its own like <laughs> autonomous body. The craziest people. Craziest people but, in the world live in Florida and the Bronx. But you know what I mean, though. Like yeah. it's such a crazy thing that there's yeah, just like bro. a pocket of of the opposite, like living amongst their people. It's just such a wild thing. And so one of yep. the things, they, I mean, so the area it's called the Pearl River Delta, which is like consists of like Hong Kong, Macau, and then about like eight other cities, which is like. Um, Have you been to Macau? No, nah, I haven't been to either one, man. But I really want I to. I heard go. Macau is like a very absurd place. It's like the Vegas of China. The Vegas, the Vegas of Asia, man. Yeah, it's, Vegas yeah. of Asia. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is absurd. That's um, All that Chinese money. But so another thing that they've been doing is that the Pearl River Delta is the most urbanized um, region of the entire world. There's about wow. eight like mega cities all within like the same like transitory space. Right? Like you can travel by train to like each place. And like when I say mega cities, I mean these cities have like 10 15 20 million people like and so basically what they did to hong kong was like and these cities didn't exist 20 years ago like they literally sprouted up in 20 years wow um they kind of like built all this stuff around hong kong and now these cities dwarf 
Hong Kong in size and also economic production. And so it's like when Hong hmm. Kong originally um, came back to China, they accounted for 25% of Chinese GDP. Today, they account for 3%. So it's like they're, wild. They're, their sway and like like they don't hold anything. They can't do anything. They're, they're powerless. Um, that de- and- it was, so you think it was like strategic on the Chinese government's part to like develop those cities? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. To al- yeah. To redistribute the wealth. Yeah. I think it's uh, like not even a um. Like I think it's like a fact that they did that. I think it's like a. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really wild. Like so what a what a crazy strategic thing to to do, right? Like that's what I'm to, saying. It's not behind these these motherfuckers that they started the this yeah. virus intentionally. It's it it's insane, man. It's insane, and that's just you know yet another thing that I just totally wholeheartedly disagree with i hope nobody in yeah. china hears this fucking podcast yeah that'd be fucked up back. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta keep this under wraps that's why i gave yeah. that little preface of my my views don't <laughs> reflect the u.s government or peace corps just in case yeah maybe i should do that castle. too maybe but uh say it yeah say it just say it right I now mean, just in case anybody's listening in the communist party yeah my views my views don't reflect the chinese <laughs> the Chinese government and I uh I'm just kind of I'm speculating I'm making observations for sure allegedly 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 they created those cities to redistribute the wealth in Hong Kong just like allegedly (laughs) that virus created the catalog yeah exactly exactly yeah thanks for playing that up for me hopefully Um, but yeah man so uh so to get back to uh Corona and uh, ditching China, man. So I remember, I remember it clearly. It was a Wednesday, and that was the first day that like somebody mentioned Corona, like you know, in uh oh, there's a weird virus in Wuhan. Didn't think anything of it. Whatever. Thursday, yeah. come into the office. A few people are wearing masks. I'm like, oh, why do you guys have masks on? Ah, oh, because the virus in Wuhan. I was like, oh, really? All right. Like, sure. Yeah, I guess wow. I should wear a mask. I don't know. Uh, and then that Friday, I was going on a trip to um, to to Harbin, Harbin Ice Festival. I actually have a post of it on my Instagram. They have the, the biggest ice and snow festival in the world. Man. I it's saw like a, that dude. Um, that dude Donnie Does went to it. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Dude, yeah. oh my God, you originally showed me Donnie Does, man. I can't tell yeah. you how much I fucking love and watch that guy. He's hysterical. He went to Macau too. Oh my God, he makes such great content. He's been everywhere, man. Living in China yeah. and watching his shit, like he's literally. He's, he's got. He speaks really good Chinese too. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is good at Chinese. Yeah. He's yeah. yeah he's, I mean, he's sorry, solid. he speaks really good Mandarin. Mandarin, right? Um, correct. Yeah. And so. Uh, yeah, man, I, I've been trying to, to pick up Mandarin, uh, or I was when I was living in China. And then uh, well, I'll, I'll get back to that. So so it's Thursday. And then Friday, I'm going to uh, to Harbin, right? And um, we're thinking, like, we kind of questioned it. We were like, oh, shit, maybe we shouldn't go to Harbin. Like, we're taking like a seven hour a bullet train, by the way, they have bullet trains all over China. And Fire. that just shows how developed and like crazy they are. But um, how much more so we're, developed they are than us? we're trying to yeah just how quickly they could they could do shit and uh so we're thinking like maybe we shouldn't go to harbin you know it seems like things are getting kind of bad and we decide to go and saturday comes around and the cases are just going up and up and up and then i think i think it was like saturday that they decided to uh to quarantine wuhan and think about think about what this is like wuhan is a city of 
uh, million, actually, right? It's crazy. Something, it's yeah, something. something crazy. Um, and they decided to quarantine, but I think they quarantined the region around. So it was about like 16 million people that they like basically, Whoa. that they were just like, all right, everybody fucking freeze and go inside. And like, the thing is, one, that was, that was the first time that was done, right? So that was a very foreign thing to do, right? Like today it's, you know, commonplace, but like, you know, so that happened. And also when China quarantines a place, they fucking quarantine the place. Dude. Oh, it's yeah. not like America, man. It's not <sighs> like you're not, you're not stepping outside your fucking apartment door. You're getting like shot by a sniper across the street or something, dude. Like they don't, wow. <laughs> they take that shit seriously. That doesn't actually happen, but you know what I mean? So it's like, um, and then, and then on Saturday, I was starting to see all these videos circulate around WeChat, um, basically of like, people in like public areas like fainting and like kind of having like seizures um and people being like what is going on and like literally dead bodies like on the side of i the know road. i saw some of the videos from like on the and, like, grassroots media reporters and so it's like i don't know i don't know if this shit is true or not like i don't know if that this was staged i don't know what to believe but like it's scary to think and like it also makes sense that china would be hiding those videos i mean of course they would be right it's not even really a question and so and then on sunday i remember i returned to beijing and my friend tells me hey man there's been people in hazmat suits disinfecting everything like public spaces subways everything and and nobody's outside it's a, it's a dead city and this is the city i walked back to on sunday and i'm just like what is going on man holy shit um and so literally but they were still allowing flights out of the country at that point well, so, so that's the thing, right? So they were, and I realized that I was like, man, this is getting, this is escalated so quickly that any day now I could be trapped in Beijing. Like any day yeah. now they could be closing off the country and I'll be stuck here during like, who knows how bad this virus is actually going to get. So then yeah. at that point, it's kind of just like a race against time. Like I remember on Monday morning, I called up my parents and I told them, I was like, guys i gotta leave china and they literally had no fucking clue they like had heard of corona but they they didn't oh. know that it was like a, a, a thing that was oh. like gonna my, my parents oh where, where because i think it was my uh it was my grandpa's birthday that that past weekend and uh they, <laughs> so they weren't really staying up to date with anything and uh they were just so caught off guard you know because like it was it, it happened so quick and all of a yeah, sudden bro. I'm saying like, I need to leave the country. And so I had a flight to the Philippines scheduled for like a week later at that point, because it was uh, Chinese New Year's around the corner. So I was going right. on vacation to the Philippines. So I was able to switch my flight to literally that night, uh, free of charge, which is awesome. And uh, That's awesome. So, so within, what is that, like five days, like hearing about it on Wednesday, and then like Monday night, I had fled the country. And um, wow. all I took with me was a backpack, man. And so I, I went down to the Philippines, uh, had an amazing time, met some amazing people. I actually met my girlfriend who I'm, who I'm with. We actually just broke up like a, we ended like a few, like a week ago, but, um, but I'm ended sorry, up coming, coming here with her. So like spent a long time with her. Is she American? Six months. Uh, C Canadian, uh, but, cool. but Filipino, you know, cool. like grew up in Canada, but, um, yeah and so so i had a great time in the philippines and this was still at the beginning stages of corona you know it was like mid-february or something 
nobody knew how bad it was going to get. So I was yeah. like, shit, I got I to gotta go back home. Like, I can't, same reason I can't get stuck in Beijing, can't get stuck in the Philippines. So I went yeah. back home. And um, oh, also, like, a, a, a point I made earlier in the podcast is that, like, this whole time, like, I'm not necessarily worried about Corona, but I'm worried about the governments, right? Like, I'm worried about China slapping sure. restrictions, which, like, that's the thing you need to be concerned about, especially if you're trying to navigate international travel at this time, because it's like, sure. Corona might get you, it might not, but the the restrictions are 100% going to get you. So that's the thing you got to be really concerned about. So I went yeah. back to the States, um, ended up ended up spending about three weeks there, and... Uh, Something you messaged me on a text message uh, the other day is just like, you get this, this, like this feeling of comfort, you know, when you're back home, cause everything is just so, so comfortable and just so easy. Mm. And it's like, that feeling is good for a second. And then it just like, it becomes, it's like an itch in the back of my neck. Like I got to get out yeah, of it here. Like, it's not, yeah. You it's, yeah it becomes a trap. Yeah. It's, you can yeah, feel yourself not, slipping into it. Yeah, like you're not yeah. progressing as a person. Like it's just not. I don't think it's just not super healthy. I don't know. Uh, at least for 100%, me. Hundred percent, bro. Um, at least in this point, I realize. Yeah, exactly, man. You yeah. got to push yourselves. You know, you got to push. Yeah. Um, and so, so I was already kind of getting a little bit, you know, just uh, man, getting a little anxious. And uh, <laughs> it is actually kind of, I guess, in hindsight, a little bit lucky that it happened. But um, basically my situation in, in Beijing, um, I don't pay any taxes to the US government. Um, but you're supposed to as an expat. But if you fall into uh, a few categories, if you check off a couple of boxes, like one of them is like, you haven't been out of the country for like, I think two years, you make under a certain amount of, of yeah. cash each year. And so if you check off a couple of those boxes, you don't have to pay you pay zero tax, right. And so to get that, it's called like this foreign tax exemption, foreign income tax exemption. Uh, you have to be outside of the country for um, more than 35. So another way of saying it's like, I can't be inside the country for more than 35 days each year. Um, or else all of a sudden I just have to pay like thousands of dollars in tax. I could go from like zero to a hundred. What's your, and, you mind me, at, I mean, you don't have to give me exact numbers, but you get compensated pretty, pretty, pretty well out there. Uh, it's all right. I think that the fact that I don't have to pay tax is like a huge, huge benefit. And then also, so have you been saving also, up a good chunk of money? I save a lot, man. And like the other good thing you, too bro. is like the cost, the cost of living. So it's like, I think I'm making less than a, a normal salary in the U S but I pay zero tax and my cost of living is a fraction. I mean, in You're Vietnam, right. yeah. Vietnam, I pay seven, 800 bucks a month and I, own an apartment a motorcycle and i basically do anything i want and like um so it's crazy um nice, but man. so i basically had to leave the country i had to i had to flee the u.s i had to flee my second country in like three weeks first i was evading corona and then i was evading taxes so <laughs> i'm a fucking why did you why why did you choose vietnam though yeah so um a, a few reasons one I I wanted to go to Thailand, but couldn't go there because um, they have a burning season in March and April, and it gets really bad. So I was like, all right, I'll go to a different country and then maybe try to get like to Thailand. Burning like trash? 
so no they always burn trash but they uh oh. they do like crop rotation so certain times oh. of the year they burn half of the stuff just to make room um yeah, and it yeah, just yeah. gets super super polluted um especially oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. especially in like the highlands in like the north which is like the area yeah, that I, like sure. my burning trash um, would give was giving me a lot of problems like early on in my time in paraguay like it was really in, like stimulating like physical responses like nausea and like lethargy yeah. it's yeah. real it is yeah. real, man they do that shit they do that they, they do it here in vietnam man i live in a developed yeah. city here and it's, yeah it's crazy yeah it's it's one of those things like running water where it's like you don't think about like there's not a garbage yep. man coming to take out the trash exactly and it's just if like, there, and if there wasn't a garbage trash? exactly you have like there's no other choice what are you gonna bury it like yeah bury it like pile it up in your backyard and it looks like an eyesore you just burn it get rid of it it's crazy it's crazy yeah and so um so yeah man i mean i was in vietnam like two years ago for like a weekend uh, and uh i had really liked it and vietnam i think is awesome and uh yeah so there was that and then also so that girl that i mentioned earlier from the philippines was going to vietnam so i was like oh i'll meet you in vietnam it just kind of worked out um Gotcha. So, gotcha. Okay. So, so that's why I settled on it. I mean, but I did not, I mean, even when I got here, I kind of anticipated that I'd have like two or three weeks and then I'd have to return to China, um, to continue working. Yeah. And so like for the first few months, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I just, I, I feel like I wasn't like living here because I didn't, I didn't know how long I'd actually be here. And then all of a sudden mm. I'm at like five months, you know, and it's like, it's crazy mm. to think about. And that's also why I don't know any of the language is because I never thought I'd be here. So I never like thought I should try Definitely. to learn. But like now I'm, here, I'm like, damn, I might be here for a fucking while. I should start learning. Cause I think it's super, super important to learn the language of wherever you are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super important. Um, but so I've been thinking about starting for Vietnamese, which is, it was a weird situation coming into it. Um, and so do you think so yeah, do you man. think you're gonna ride it out like do you think you'll ride it out till june until your contract's up like could you possibly start working from home if you well, were to no, come home yeah no yeah dude so i work i work man i, I work remotely yeah. online um yeah. so i can work but in from theory anywhere. you could do that wherever yeah yeah, yeah 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 man you can go wherever and so i dude, think stay home stay stay there till june you don't want to be here in the winter bro the winter's gonna be bad here yeah with the election inside, huh? and then the virus bro that's the thing. You don't man. Want I want to see it. You know, going back to that, uh, like, I want to see the. But yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. you're um, right, bro. Yeah. Okay. But um, shit. Where where were we? So, um, about being being not expecting being in 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 Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. So didn't expect to be here. Ended up, you know, been here for about five months now. Um, yeah. Five or six months. Um. <laughs> But shit. Have you been to uh, Ho- Have you yeah. been to Ho Chi Minh City? I haven't. I haven't. So, so Ho Chi Minh is in the south. Uh, I've been to uh, Hanoi uh, a few times actually, which is in the north. I, I rem- did remember that that was a, like a Black Ops yeah. like multiplayer map. Hanoi was. <laughs> yeah, because like Black fun. Ops was about like the Vietnam War, so some of the yeah, maps yeah, were, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hanoi. Exactly. That's yeah. funny. And uh, so I've been there. I actually did a a month, about a month and a half, uh, long road trip with uh, just me, my motorcycle, and that that same chick I keep mentioning, and um, and cool. another one of our friends. And so I went up to the north, like 
yeah, man, hung out everywhere. Went, stayed with people in the village, man. It was awesome. Um, how? So I did how? How did you? Oh, oh, did she? How? How did you do that? You just like ask them if you could be happy. No, no, not like home. Like they, they're they're homestays. I mean, they have oh, like sweet. each. Yeah, they'll have just like a fucking just yeah a, a, cool. a poster saying homestay come here um cool, also cool, like cool. so the other friend was vietnamese so he's super like helpful doing everything sure 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 um but yeah oh i remember what i was gonna say earlier so yeah like i'm working online and the majority of my company uh they're they're all me recent graduates um there's about 40 of us recent graduates from university in america with a two-year contract in china and so the majority of them fled and went back to America, um, like a normal fucking human would, right? Like I don't, um, <laughs> right? Like I, definitely, uh, definitely. <laughs> and so that's but where we're not. You're not normal, KY. That's what. That, <laughs> that's where they all are right now. And uh, so, you know, China is not letting anybody from America come into that country for who knows how long. I mean, between yeah. Corona and rising tensions, and so. My contract period is until June, and if I was a betting man, I'd bet that I'd be working online until June. So, so yeah, I can pretty much go anywhere, man. And uh, who knows? I maybe I stay world, in Vietnam. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I would say I the back. world, uh, the world is your oyster, but it's really not during coronavirus. No, it's, it's the complete not. opposite. Not uh, at all, can't man. really I mean, go borders, anywhere. Borders are entirely shut. It's sad. Like a few other countries in Southeast Asia, right before this new outbreak in Vietnam, were talking about. Uh, opening up borders, like restricted access to other people in Southeast Asia. Um, so that would have been nice, but yeah. yeah, who knows? It sucks, man. I had so many plans to travel, so many plans to travel. I was going to yeah. go to Argentina, Brazil. I would have been in both countries by this time. Damn. Yeah, I feel that. But, yeah. I did too. I mean, like I, um, for my job, I have to do these visa runs every two months. Uh, and it's nice. My company actually pays for them because we're on a, I'm on a business visa instead of like a sure um, like a work visa. So it means you're like basically in the country, like on a work project. But the way to get around it, you just come and go. And uh, that's cool. So I had a, I, I had a bunch of trips lined up too. I was going to Hong Kong. I was going to Taiwan. I was going to all these places. Um, but I still am in Vietnam, so it's nice. But yeah, I feel that, dude. Dude, I'm thinking about getting. This is really random, but I'm looking at my feet right now. I'm getting two huge foot tattoos bro hopefully before i leave to oregon no way Are you gonna i, I wanted like... well we can try this could be a good like transition thing um originally yeah. i was i wanted to get like two eyes like i'm like well after getting the two tattoos original tattoos on my feet I, I wanted i want to like fill out my feet and back in like after i got these i was like set on getting like two eyes on the top of my feet and then i microdose lsd with some people you know that live on this block like two months like a couple months ago like yeah back in may awesome and i i saw like i saw i started seeing cat eyes in the sky like the clouds started to form into just like cat eyes it was crazy um and like abstract like cat faces and then yesterday I took some psilocybin mushrooms with somebody else, you know, <laughs> and in addition to some other wild shit that went on that can, maybe can save for a, a different podcast that can be solely dedicated to this subject. Cause I feel like I could talk a lot about this. Um, mm. I started seeing like abstract 
human eye like when i closed my eyes during some point during the trip i was seeing like red orange and bright pink like colors and in those colors like human eyes were starting to appear like rapidly and they were all like they all seemed like human eyes i knew but i couldn't really like figure out who they were just because they were coming and going really quickly and then during a different circumstance I, i i stood up to try to do some tai chi and i was hitting this pose called hugging the tree it's like you kind of you kind of stand up straight, bend your knees a little bit, keep your back straight, and put your arms up in front of you like you're literally hugging a tree. So kind of like wrap, putting your hands in like kind of like a circle, and just like relaxing your mind and like focus on your breathing to help your body like sink into the ground and become like relaxed to so like start the actual tai chi form. And while I was doing that, when I closed my eyes, I started seeing the colors again, and then all of a sudden this. Kid, I shit you not, bro. I shit you not. It sounds like super corny. And I, I like this. If I was like talking to like my younger self, I would have like thought the same thing. Like, wow, this is like a bunch of bullshit. But I actually experienced it. I saw this like one singular eye start forming in like the middle of my like closed field of view. So like kind of right by like where my nose like kind of like meets my eyebrows. And then, like, there was, like, a geometric shape, like, starting. There's some to, you, super spiritual people that are going to listen to this that are just jizzing right now. I know. They're, I know. <laughs> they're getting so wet right now. But it is real. It happened. This, like, ear, this, like, irregular, like, polygon, polygon started forming around it. And then all of a sudden, my body kind of went limp. And I couldn't really feel anything but, like, my mind. And then all of a sudden, my hands unconsciously started separating from each other it kind of felt like it was some sort of like gravitational or like magnetic pull but it wasn't my mind doing it they were literally like acting on their own Hmm. and they just started coming apart it was crazy bro and i opened my eyes and i like screamed towards the other person i was doing it with i was like holy shit like you're not gonna believe like what's happening right now and i was able to replicate it and yeah i think I replicate it meaning like, like i could do it again it i was again? In, yeah really? i was able to do it again when i got back to hugging the tree and like closing <laughs> my eyes and dude I, I i'm convinced that i that's I, tough to do i i activated or just slightly activated or came into contact with my third eye bro yeah Man, and then that's... i'm gonna bring this all the way back to the tattoo thing Wait, sorry. So yeah, was I, this was this LSD or mushrooms? Which one? This was mush. This was mushrooms. Yesterday. Yesterday. This is yesterday. Okay. Okay. But like the common theme between like original, like I hadn't done LSD or or mushrooms before, like the actual, I the idea of the eye tattoos on my feet evolved. Like that evolved before both of those. But now after doing them and having like a message, some like connected message about eyes. I don't know. I kind of need to investigate it further. But I then because like a, a week I say this because a week and a half ago I changed my foot tattoo idea to maybe getting like a giant crescent moon on like my left foot and then just like a giant like sun on my right foot. Um, but now I kind of feel like I maybe have to like change back to like the eye design after what I experienced yesterday. Yeah, it's been it's been good vibes. Quarantine's been it's been. Um, been a very weird time 
I think for everybody, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. I think it's just like, I'm grateful, just like you have, I mean, there's been a bunch of different low points, but there's also been like incredible high points, just like any time period in your life. And you can extract, I think when, I think when you approach life from a non like fearful perspective, you can extract benefit from like almost any experience, like good or bad. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's a great way of looking at it. We should wrap it up there, bro. I kind of just like, I kind of just killed that. That was a very, I just, that was very well put. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's it. We're done, folks. No, but I, I, uh, I want to ask about the Oregon trip. You mentioned it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not really a trip, your new job. I guess the trip yeah, going man. out there. But yeah. I'm driving out there. I, I, I bought a car, I bought a Volkswagen. Oh, I love that. Wagon Tiguan. Yeah, it's really, I really like it. Um, and yeah, man, I'm driving out to Oregon. I'm starting a new job with the Forest Service as a forestry technician. I, I, I think I'm going to be fighting a lot of fires this, this, uh, this fall, which I'm pretty, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I got to get like some of my wild, fire, wildland firefighter qualifications down while I'm out there. But like a lot yeah, of what the Forest Service does is like yeah. fire suppression. So yeah. I, uh, I got a really good friend, I think I mentioned in Montana who is, uh, doing yeah. the same thing. Uh, I don't know if, if you'd ever like had questioned me or anything like that. I could easily, dude, I kind of want to drive through Montana. I'm thinking like, this is my preliminary. I'm going to drive, I'm going to go visit, um, Ryan Brown in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then go visit two other friends around like Indianapolis and Michigan and then maybe kind of drive north towards like Montana and then slowly make my way south, like through like Wyoming, Idaho. I, I, I haven't really mapped it out, but, and then eventually get to like San Francisco, like see my older sister, see Harrison, mm-hmm. see some other people I know there and then drive seven hours north to Silver Lake where I'll be working. Dude, the, the, the county that I'm working in in Oregon, it's in, in terms of square miles, it's the size of the state of New Jersey, but only 8,000 people live there. Isn't that wild? Oh, it's wow. super remote. Yeah. Wait, super I gotta look remote. up the map. What is it? Yeah. Look up Silver Lake, Oregon. That's where I'm going to be. Wow. I'm stoked. Dude, I'm going to so be living he's... on a 150-acre compound owned by the Forest Service. Like, I'm going to have, like, my own place on the compound. It's going to be cool. Damn, dude. Yeah, yeah bro. So yeah, are you, gonna be are you going with my brother? No, your brother, I mean, I don't want to, your brother, I think is going to start school this fall. He got into a school and I think he's going to, yeah, I think he he said said he was was going to accept it. Oh, really? Wow. I actually didn't know that. That's why he's not going to come with me or maybe something changed. I don't know. That's probably maybe why he was calling me this morning. Who knows? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. You know that. See, it's funny. You know that shit before even I do. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. But Dude. yeah, man, that's the plan. I'm excited. You you said you 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 said there's you said some high things about, especially the Oregon coast. So I'm, I'm really excited. Man, I fucking love Oregon, man. And first of all, Silver <laughs> Lake, Silver Lake is in an awesome area, dude. You got you got Crater Lake right next yeah, to it, it's like and uh, close, yep. And Bend, also, man. I tried to go to Crater Lake um, when I was when I was road tripping. I also when I did that road trip, by the way, I was in a Volkswagen, so it's funny. Um, Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, man, we tried to go to Crater Lake, me and my buddy. And dude, it was uh, 
it was coming off of winter, so it wasn't like the thick of winter, but man, there were uh, walls of snow driving into Crater Lake, like 12 to like That's 15 wild, feet bro. high, man. Like That's three wild. times the size of our car. It was the craziest thing. And uh, we ended yeah, up. Apparently, we, I'm going to be on snowmobiles out there. That's what my yeah. supervisor was saying in the winter. We use snowmobiles and shit to do things. Yeah, so I was going to ask, you staying out there for winter as well? <clears throat> So it's a season. It's full time seasonal. So uh, apparently, I'm gonna be working through like November or December, and then have off for like two months. But then again, I have the opportunity. I might have the opportunity to extend and like work through the winter, which I probably want to do. I just want to work. And if I'm gonna out there, I might as well work and and make money. Are um, you? But let's yeah, yeah. What's Let's the money situation I, looking like? Just because I know my friend. It's not bad. It's it's not bad. It's it's like a starting salary, or it's so so the so when you work for a governmental agency, all the the salaries work off like different pay grades and pay scales based on your like qualifications and experience. Um, so I, I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm okay with divulging this information. I got I have a GS five starting salary, so I'm gonna be making like thirty five thousand dollars for thirteen pay periods throughout a whole year um and and some of those i'm not going to be working right i'll have like off for some months where i'm not going to be making money but for the months i'm on which most likely be somewhere around like eight to like nine months i will be making like 35 grand in those months while i still need to figure out my housing situation but i'm sure it's going to be it's it's going to be like a government like subsidized housing so it's going to be a lot cheaper than having my own place so we'll see. It's not a lot, mm. but it might because I'm living in a very rural area. My cost of living is going to be low, so I'm hopeful I'll be able to save up some money. But just like after, and then my contract is a year, so like next year, I may have the opportunity to like take a take a pay upgrade or take like a different position that has like, and then use the qualification that I earned like this year to go to like move up a pay grade. So we'll see, man. I'm just gonna. I'm I'm stuck in this position for a year till next summer, and yeah, it's awesome. I got flexibility. I have time off, and that that time can be used to go travel and then go back to work. Like, I have a good chunk of money, decent amount of money, like saved up right now, like going into the job. So, yeah, man. No, that sounds yeah, bro. that sounds awesome, dude. Like that's yeah, I'm, that's, I'm, that's, I'm excited. That's what you need flexibility. You're in a great yeah. area. Yeah, and uh, you'll be doing Coast, stuff. Yeah. We'll be doing stuff that you know you're passionate about, and like yeah, man, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm content. I'm content. Man, I'm coming back to America, and I'm coming to visit your ass, dude. I'm down. When yeah. do you think you'll know? When do you think you'll know? Like when? Well, when? When will you make a decision like, by? I oof, yeah, I don't know. I everything I do is last minute, I, so yeah. I don't know about that. But uh, for sure, like I. I, I haven't missed a Christmas yet in New York um, through like the last just years of travel and whatever. So like, I, I think I'm going to aim to be back in New York for Christmas, but I can't, I can't make any guarantees about it for sure. because, because uh, you know, the way I, I'd be stuck, dude. I mean, I'd be in America yeah. and it's like, it's a dangerous game. Cause it's like, if I go back, you can't get out, man. I don't think I don't think you're gonna be able to leave America for no. Yeah, while the international travel scene is gonna be fucked up for at least a year, if not longer. At least, at least a year, man. And yeah. So I need that shit to live, so I yeah. Yeah, man. 
do what do what you feel is right don't let anybody else make that decision for you or like sway yeah that's all yeah. man that's all it's i ever life. try to do yeah. you know exactly it's like yeah. i literally i i do my best not to overthink things and whatever just feels right man like whatever direction my body's walking in i'm just like all right i guess we're going here like it's yeah like i, I try to keep it that simple whatever it is you know um i love it yeah yeah man and you know it's funny like so I just moved to this new, this new place in uh, Da Nang. I've only been here for about a month and I don't really, I didn't really know anybody before this lockdown happened. And uh, so I don't, I don't really have people in this city and I wasn't, I kind of realized that when I got here and um, it was the first time in my life where I, I had moved to a new city and I wasn't like purposely trying to meet people. And uh, mm. the reason being is cause like, I feel content with the people I know and uh i also like I, I had this experience of like just drawing back to like what you said about you know listening to other people and don't let them sway you it's like yeah I remember there was like a two-hour span where i spoke to like one dude who used to work on wall street one dude who was like really into meditation and like one <laughs> dude who was doing like computer science and like after i spoke to each one of them like my first thought was like damn i gotta be doing that like that's what i'm gonna do with my life and it's like yeah i took a step back and i was like dude i gotta chill and figure this shit out yeah. for myself and so i what i've been doing recently man it's like i feel like i've had so much input over the last few years and so i've just decided to to uh just to not meet people and be with myself and just try to figure it out and like see what i i want to do you know not not love talking to other people um because it does like even if you I don't know, like, even if you're not taking what they say or, like, like doing exactly what they're doing, it, like, it still it still affects you. And, like, now it's new information that you have that you got to think about and consider. And Yeah. Uh, 100%, bro. I Yeah, I think, uh, like, another something else that contributed to, like, all the growth I incurred in Paraguay was the amount of time I had to myself and, like, my thoughts. Even in college, too. Um, and that's that's super important. Having time, like, yeah, having time to yourself and your thoughts and being, uh, just being able to internalize a lot of the things you experience on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis and figuring out, like, what that means to you and how it 100%. affects you. Yeah. 100%. And I, I think, like, I think meditation helps me with that a lot. Like, I, I, one of the things I realized, too, is that, everything everything is just oh shit my phone just dropped everything is just consume 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 man and like i'm not even in america but i just constantly feel like like i'm i'm eating and then i'll like i'll scroll social media for a second and then like i'll turn the tv on and then i'm on my computer just Mm -hmm. like consume 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 man it's like yeah you gotta get away from that yeah you gotta get away from that like to and you gotta like chill and be with yourself for a second and just take things in and process and yeah it's important and I think that like you can get caught up with other things and like not take a second to do that, but it's a dangerous game you're playing. But I mean, yeah, man, you going to Oregon? It sounds like you'll have some good time, man. You'll just be out there in the wilderness, dude, working on that beard. You got a, you still got a beard, right? Oh, I'm working on it. I've been actually literally just looking in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I need to get. I'm trying to get it like yours. I need just like. I need to grow in a little bit. I know you. You don't rock it anymore. Nah, dude. Too hot, right? It's just, I don't know, time for change. 
felt right. My, my body was walking in one direction. I said, all right. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I'm going to let this rip, honestly. It's finally, like, really starting to grow in. Um, no more, like, baby beard anymore. So I'll yeah. send you a pic when I get the chance, when it really gets nice and fluffy. Yeah, dude. How, how long has it been so far? Uh, I think I trimmed it, like, two three weeks ago probably three like three weeks ago two weeks ago three weeks ago yeah for sure it's coming in it's starting to come in i'm looking at it right now yeah oh yeah there you go buddy yeah i you know i ended up shaving mine because uh i was i was i was in the office in beijing and like mm. dressing nicely you know like button down whatever for and sure. then i got this i got this caveman style beard walking into the i know office. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> that's a tough, like, yeah, that's a tough, like, distinction. And so I just had to make a call, you know, but like, but for you, man, being in Oregon, doing what you're doing. Oh, you're yeah, like, I'll be able to embrace it for sure. Yeah, and my yeah. hair, dude, I've been growing my hair for like a year now. Yeah, I cut my hair really? In a year. Yeah, it's nice long and long. Time, dude. I'm trying yeah, to, that's man. what I'm trying to do now, actually, is grow my hair out to see what happens. It's pretty fucking ugly right now, but it's a spiritual really journey for sure. I think growing my hair out has definitely been a spiritual journey. How long is it, dude? I actually feel like I haven't really seen you like that. I'll send you a picture. It's long. It's probably like it's like below my shoulders now. Low key. Damn, dude. You put it. In I can braid hair. it. What's the, I can uh... yeah. I can ponytail it, braid it, everything. I love I love braiding my hair, bro. Damn. Good for I you. I think braids look beautiful. You no, know, on girls. Yeah. And, you... and myself. <laughs> I've uh I, I noticed a few pictures of you of you on braids. Yeah, they're fire. I don't know how to do it yet, but I, I wanna teach myself how to do it so I can just like easily give myself braids. Don't have to worry about other people doing it for me. Yeah. Alright, brother. I'm gonna go give your brother a call. Isn't that funny? I'm gonna <laughs> trade I'm gonna trade you for your brother because he's trying to get a hold of me. Yeah, I was just thinking, Ben, we 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 spoke for God, wow, all, all over two hours, bro, because the first one was probably like a 25-minute. Yeah, I think at least, man. I think that might have so been So are you going to continue? You're going to try to just continue to do these with just like your friends and shit? Dude, yeah, man. Like a bunch of reasons for why I want to do them. Like I think. I love it. I love the idea just to keep them from like nostalgic or like. Exactly. Whatever. Like to keep it for ourselves, to the, the few people that actually do listen to it, I think we'll enjoy it. It'll be a good way for them to catch up on our lives, you know? And yeah. it's like also just an excuse for me to like reach out and speak to people. Like, Love I think it. that, I think that I like, I already do. I make like a really conscious effort to uh, keep in touch with all the people, you know, in my life that I think are cool and want to keep in touch with. And uh, so, I mean, I'm having these conversations with people each week kind of regardless of the podcast. So it's like, might as well just fucking record it and send it somewhere, you know? How frequent um, or how frequently are you going to do them? I don't know, man. I, I think once a week would be good, but I'm also not really like, you know, it's not like once every Monday I'm dropping a new episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, But uh, once a week would be cool, man. And I think like the other good thing too is like in my rotation of people I kind of have those conversations with, I think that I can talk to more people that i otherwise wouldn't if it's like under the yeah, you know, yeah. like with like yo jump on my podcast and i think uh i mean an extra, i yeah, think an extra incentive to like yeah to like actually yeah. to make it happen kind of thing For sure um and also 
yeah i guess you already said this but like just for us to have like i think it's kind of fun to do so yeah let me know where you like post it so i can access it i don't know can you access it on this app like you create an account and shit or so i um yeah well i did but i'm gonna put it on i think through this app i can put it on itunes and then like maybe spotify as well but i was thinking i'll just like make an instagram post and then just put a link on it sweet bro I'm down. I'll share it on my Instagram, even though I'm not on it anymore, but I'll share it. Yeah. Oh, really? Shit, man. Nah, that's all good. I'll go. Yeah, I'll definitely promote. I actually got to get back on Instagram <laughs> to promote. Uh, Zach, Zach's coming out with like his first official song. Like Zach, he's been pursuing like music. Yeah, I heard. So, um, yeah, I got to get back on there to promote his shit when help a, help a friend out when he drops it. So, for sure. Let yeah, me yeah. know, brother. All right, dude. Sounds good, man. Right. It was good. Great yeah. catching up, dude. Likewise, man. Wanna, uh, yeah, let's stay connected. Yeah. Let's stay connected for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah we'll be All in right. touch. Hear about your plans for Oregon and whatnot. Will do, bro. I'll be sure to reach out if I have any questions about um, like the Oregon coast or anything. Well, that's probably for a little later because I'm going to be working for a little bit. But when I have the opportunity, definitely. For sure, dude. For sure. All right, Poppy. All right, my guy. You take care of yourself. Ciao. See you, man. Bye-bye.